1: they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast. This is episode two. Uh, and it's with Alex Petty from Laughing Horse. We uh, had a really lovely chat. I, I I should quickly inform you before we get into the uh, actual interview itself. I had a few technical difficulties with the recording of this podcast, which meant that I basically there was a button that kept going off. And we had a reoccurring joke that involved uh, the line, press the red button. And it was very hard to edit out, so I left it in because I quite liked it. Um, I realise it's more of an in-joke for me and Alex, but... Uh, I hope it doesn't spoil your listening uh, at all for it, but it's, uh, yeah, that's that's what that's about. Anyway, without further ado, adieu, adieu, this is Alex Petty.
0: Right, Laughing Horse runs, uh, I've got to count up the festivals now, let's <laughs> let, let's, let, let's think we go through, we've got Perth, Adelaide, and uh, Melbourne we run shows at, we, we run venues at Adelaide, um, also run some small comedy festivals um, at Singapore, Hong Kong and Manila. Um, and then the two major ones we do in the UK are Brighton and Edinburgh. Um, Brighton with four venues, and Edinburgh with 22, 23, 24 venues, that sort of area. Um, so, yeah, all varying different sizes. Probably the, uh, uh, the ones where we produce shows, Perth um, and Melbourne, are the smallest ones that we're involved with because we're there as show producers rather than sort of venue managers. Um, and then increasing upside to the, uh, the absolute giant monster that is Edinburgh every year.
2: Yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. going to be, is that the biggest one you do?
0: Definitely, yeah, Edinburgh's the biggest. And the smallest like, would be? Quite a long way. I'd say what we do in Perth, because we're, we're producing sort of short runs of a few small shows. Um,
2: what is your, like, What and so what's your, like, minimum, because you run a lot of the free fringe. Yes. Rather than the paid yes. fringe, at least in this country.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, Ed, Edinburgh is where we run entirely free shows. Uh, Brighton, we run a mixture um, of paid and free, but it's, it's got predominantly free over the years. Yeah. But then everything out of the country, we, we all run paid stuff.
2: Okay. Yeah. Is there is there a reason for that? Is it just the
0: the. Um. It's just it's the it's the way um, things have gone with the finances of it all. Um, Edinburgh is where it. it 10, 15 years ago it needed a change mm-hmm. um, the model of doing the paid shows at the main venues even small venues um, meant both producers and performers and people running shows were losing money um, and that's where the free shows sprung from Right. Um, the economics of Edinburgh makes it the bizarre solution that you, you can as a, as a new actor someone progressing through the ranks and even starting to get bigger names now you can make money um, out of a free show where you would be losing thousands out of a paid show. Yeah. Um, those economics aren't entirely the same everywhere else because you ca- you can you can go to Australia um, and spend 3 or 4000 pounds getting out there and do three festivals and potentially break even and make some money. Um, going to Edinburgh for a much shorter period of time you could basically end up losing money doing a paid show. So cool. it's a, yeah it's odd the way the uh, the finances work if it all. So
2: you're you're not planning on doing any f- Paid shows up there at the moment? Or? Uh,
0: not pay, not paid at the moment. We're keeping an eye, uh, obviously we work with Bob Slayer um, on his Heroes of Fringe, and he does the pay-what-you-want uh, method, which I think works really well. Um, at the moment, he does it on quite a small scale over yes. a couple of venues, and I think that's where it works really well, because you've got to have extra infrastructure for box offices and things like that. But we're certainly keeping an eye on that idea, yeah. um, and at some point in the future we may end up moving some of the shows over to that, that method or potentially introducing that as another method um, as part of the free festival. It's um, so yeah, we're always looking at ways of sort of improving and changing and adapting as the as the fringe does itself over over the years
2: yeah it's a it's a constantly evolving monster
0: yeah all, all, all the time it's always it's always different every single year. And there's always it's the great thing about the fringe. people are always coming with new ideas, mm. different ways of doing things, be it a couple of years where there's a five pound fringe. Um, with with, um, us and uh, Peter Buckley Hill coming in with the free shows the new method of freestival which is slightly Mm -hmm. different from uh, ourselves Peter Buckley Hill and Bob Slayer Mm -hmm. um, and then all the different ways places like The Stand which are uh, um, obviously of a, a better paid model than, um, sorry in my opinion, a better paid model uh, where they're on a sort of a profit share with the act rather than acting as a, a rental house like a lot of the big spaces essentially do. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's lots of different choices of people and there'll be no doubt over the next few years somebody else coming up with a different idea that'll be completely different from everybody else as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we're looking, I mean, uh, personally, I mean, I've only been to three Edinburghs so far mm-hmm. and it, it's changed a lot in that time. I mean, from an outsider, I'm sure uh, it looks a bit like, oh, it's just a month, do you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's all it is. But the amount of prep, like, you know, that you, you put your show in in, like, May or whatever it is, and it goes all the way through. It's, yeah,
0: well, you know that's me? it. For, for me, it starts almost once it's finished, although it's a bit yeah. of a, it's a bit of downtime, because really we go from September um, through to Christmas, where we're just keeping an eye on the venues, looking at new mm. spaces, seeing what sort of issues are coming up with, with venues and things. And then we tend to start performers' applications from the end of December, beginning of January, Um, But that's really getting the information in for performers. We then start sort of programming um, late January, February um, into early March. Um, That's when all the fringe deadlines start to appear at the uh, the beginning of March, Um, and then right the way through with then getting everything programmed and venues ready and all the tech and everything that we need ready up to up to August. So it's yeah, it's all it's all year basically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so because because you're on so many venues, what is the minimum Mm. spec you look for in a free venue?
0: Minimum spec in a free venue. For, for, there's, there's two types of performance spaces we have. We have ones where we look at them for music, uh, which tends to be a little bit of a lower spec in terms of what you need in the room because music can be performed in bars where there are other people. But for the vast majority of performance, where you're looking at comedy, theatre, cabaret and so forth, the minimum spec is having a completely separate room. Um, either preferably separated by a wall and a door um, but sometimes separated by sort of large thick curtains but essentially you, you're needing a space that is completely cut off from the outside environment um, and the minimum spec is got to have a basic sound system which is which is mixer a couple of microphones uh, used to be cd players but now it's its ability to sort of plug in mp3 players and things like that mm. got to have a spotlight so you can dim the rest of the room um, and obviously you've got to have a not necessarily a raised stage, but a nice stage area, clearly defined stage area, all the seats, and everything you'd expect essentially in a sort of small comedy club environment. Mm-hmm. That's the basic level. And then we go right the way up to places like the Counting House Ballroom, where you've got backstages, lighting rigs, mm-hmm. um, and you could do as much there as you could do in a, a bigger paid venue, which has got a full setup with um, lighting system and sound system and large, large raised stage and so on and so forth. Yeah,
2: yeah I, saw, I saw Phil Jupiter there this year. I think he was in Porky the Poet. Did you? Oh no, he
0: was at the. Um, he was a, a PBH one, and I cannot remember oh, where I'm he sorry. was. was <laughs> one on the other. That's all right. <laughs> could have uh, we have lots of all sorts of um, acts down at the counting house. Um, Louise Remilion was down at that one, and we've had ostentatious oh, yeah, yeah. And, and people like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but right it's, it's sort of the big. If I had ten counting houses, I'd be it, that would be fantastic because <laughs> um, that ballroom everyone wants to use it, and, and we mm. could probably fill it with sort of big name acts nine or ten times over. Mm. So it's always a, an interesting room to program. How, um, how? making the choices of um, who we go in there because there's usually a few acts that we'd love to get into the programme but we can't quite fit in. Yeah,
2: yeah. What, what is the selection process for, so like, because you get so many acts, I mean I'm sure there's like a vetting process for. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. we, I mean it's, we take in the applications, last year if I remember correctly we had around about seven to 800 applications, mm-hmm. um, from that we had about 350 shows. Um, so it really is a case of myself and a few other people who are. So I've got people that are a little bit more expert on cabaret and um, theatre than I am. I tend to sort of uh, concentrate on the comedy stuff, um, but just looking at the, looking at the acts, looking at what they want to do. Um, it's not necessarily if, if it's a big name or a, a newer act. It's if someone's got a good idea, an interesting idea. Um, and also looking for people that are, look like they're going to be prepared to market the show well and be up there and want to take part of it. If you, I, I think if someone puts in a sort of sloppy applic- application, <laughs> that doesn't sort of bode well for the effort they're going to put in from a- April through to the end of August in terms of PR and marketing and pushing themselves forward. Um, but, yeah, it's good shows, good ideas, interesting ideas, um, something completely different from anything else that's happened in Edinburgh, um, which we still get the occasional. Um, one through you, yeah. you think everything over the last sixty years of Edinburgh all, always happened, but there's always something different that comes up oh no, or a different a, suggestion that's always, a, that's a bit I love about Ed, Edinburgh and fringes,
2: yeah, there's always something that you can do that's different that's that's the thing I mean you you can go up and play with it and just be you know ten minutes fifteen minutes with your friends or whatever yeah, but there's always like a new thing that someone hasn't talked about, especially yes. with the world moving you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. space um I saw a lot of stuff like that this year um so uh, yeah, I mean. Interesting, the criteria when you say, like, as an interesting show, uh-huh. does that mean you, you you kind of have the final say in it? Or is it like there's like a, a committee of Laughing Horse that...
0: Um, it tends to be me having the final say, but that, that generally tends to be on the comedy side of things. But yeah. I do get input from other people, Yeah. particularly... You, you get the acts, particularly in comedy, that, that people know, people that are out on the circuit, people that are headlining right the way through to people who've sort of done TV work, that you know that's, that's a good act. Whatever they're going to do, it's going to be a well-known act. They're going to get a good audience and it's going to be a good show. Um, you look at some of the newer acts coming and that's more about the ideas and what people want to do and the, the, what what you perceive is going to be the effort put into marketing and producing the show. Um, and if it's people I've not seen, I, I've seen vast majority of sort of newer acts and progressing acts that have been out there a few years which will be sort of ready to do Edinburgh then I do get input from from other comedians and performers and people I know. It's one of the benefits of going to the festivals on the other side of uh, the world as well. You see a lot of the international performers that are going around from festival to festival, and you can pick up people there as well that want to do Edinburgh shows. Um, And Someone that might be a little bit more off the radar um, is someone you've already seen somewhere. So I'm always getting out of festivals to see shows and and see people and try and see as much as I can to get a good idea of what I think is going to be good for the venues in Edinburgh each year.
2: Is your preference to see an hour then?
0: Um... No, I think you, you get a good idea, particularly if it's someone like yourself or a similar level where you're you're doing tens and something at fifteens and twenties around the place. I've obviously seen you through the competition as well. Yeah, most recently. Um, yeah. Recently, um, I would imagine you going to Edinburgh. You'll be doing uh, a show where it's yourself plus two, three other acts at a compare. So seeing a seeing a club set is perfect because mm. um, the, the 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 first. Show in Edinburgh should be uh, uh, myself and two or three other acts. Mm. Um, whether it is just being honest, saying it's us four of us doing comedy, yeah. or there's some loose theme around it. Yeah. Um, or indeed looking at doing a shorter 20-minute, 30-minute show. Adam Belbin's yeah. been very good the last few years by doing half of next year's show. Oh, okay. um, he's on, he was on his third half last year, <laughs> um, so we'll see if that progresses. But he's a great act, but has, has gone in at the right level. Yeah. Um, I know he's, he won the competition a couple of years ago, right. Um, he's got a great set, and he's just building himself up gradually before going to the to the full yeah. show.
2: Yeah, yeah. As someone who does a fair number of open mics to do new, new material every so often, I know there there's such a thing mm-hmm. as a third half. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, well, I think if
0: you've got. A- by the some you've got a couple of hours of good material you you can you can draw that down into a very good hour yeah, show yeah. and that's what you've got to do. There's a, there's a lot of acts that I think go to Edinburgh too soon, right? Um, and and are sort of doing a, a capable twenty to thirty minutes worth of material around the circuit and then pad that out to an hour. Um, it should be looked at the other way. You should have a good couple of hours worth of material that you can then pare down to show and also then start to bring in the elements that. The, the comedy industry and people want in Edinburgh, that it has got to be a show that's got a meaning and a purpose and is there for a reason, and something you actually want to do, right. uh, something you want to talk about, something you're passionate about, uh, rather than Bloke does all these gags he's been doing for the last five years over the course of 60 minutes.
2: So, so when Although
0: it, saying that, I love someone getting up there doing gags for 60 minutes, <laughs> so that, that has its place as well.
2: So that, that doesn't help anyone, I mean, here. <laughs> I mean, it's do what you want to do. It's, it's,
0: still, it is, it's do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a huge... El- the, the, the bloke gets up there and tells Gags for 60 Minutes. is hugely entertaining. The audiences will love it. But then you, you look at the, the, the reviews in the comedy industry, which will want a show with a story and a path. Yeah. Um, and then you look at somebody that does something. Liam Williams is a great example this year. Uh, a very personal show. Uh, and it wasn't Gags for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was nominated for the uh, the main comedy award. So uh, You've got two complete ends of the spectrum. Uh, we've, we've run the show Shaggers for the last... However many years and that's that that was started basically to bring things back to entertaining an audience for now getting three or four acts up each night um just telling jokes is a comedy club, just just for telling jokes telling stories that are funny so it's it's both sides of the spectrum it's um it's doing what you want to do
2: so you, so you think in Edinburgh it's much more so unless you're doing like a variety show or a selection show mm-hmm. you think it's uh, good in Edinburgh to do uh, one with a narrative one with a meaning or is that is that just your preference is that um, like an
0: industry it's oh, certainly my preference I certainly think it's an industry preference as well It's okay. it, but it's something that is it's it's something that you want to talk about something that you're passionate about um, not just churning out an extended club set um, <laughs> yes. because that's where people can see on the back of Edinburgh once if if you're going to get a stage of getting good reviews um, getting nominated for some of the awards uh, moving on from that is then taking a show round to sorts of theatres going on small tours and things like that um, and it is wanting to—it's—it's it's having a show that's a subject that's a, that's about something, um, and you, you can tell if an act's doing a show about something just because they've decided that's their subject for the year, or if it is something that they, something about their life, something about they're passionate about, something that they want to talk about, um, and that's where I think makes a difference between a, a good show and a, a great show. That's, oh,
2: that's perfect. <laughs> um, you said something about marketing um, and how that's something you look for specifically on the application. Yeah. Most performers I don't least, mm-hmm. and myself included, I mean, I work in marketing in the daytime, mm-hmm. and I would not put myself down as particularly amazing at marketing mm-hmm. myself comedy-wise. Um, it's something that I think eludes a lot of people. What mm-hmm. specifically would you, I mean, what do you look for when you, when you say marketing? I mean, is it generally like going out to the newspapers or trying to get yeah. in PR people, or is it like I've got, I'm going to get quotes from certain places. I mean, what, yeah.
0: what's kind of... It's it's the things, particularly for Edinburgh, that help sell your show. Um, it, one question I get asked a 100 times every year is about going into the Fringe programme. Um, there's a lot of performance. It costs nearly £300 pounds to go into the Fringe programme. Um, for that £300, pounds, you get a huge amount for it. Without going into the Fringe programme, uh, you don't get onto the databases of agents and industry people, you don't get onto the reviewers' database, so it's very difficult or near impossible to get a review. You don't get all the various listings and advertising. So anyone who says, oh, I don't want to spend £300 in in March, I'm thinking, well, that's that's £300 that puts you in the Fringe, that makes you part of the Fringe, that gives you all the benefits that the Fringe um, can give you in terms of support, in terms of people coming to see your show that are important. Mm. If you don't want to do that, are you really taking it seriously? Mm-hmm. So that is one of my yardsticks. Um, and it's really looking at people saying, yes, we're going to fly. Yes, we're going to use social media. Yes, we're going to get our press releases out. And um, the Fringe and us do a lot to help with that. But it's just seen people are eager and can do it. We we supply a lot of information that says, right, you should be doing your press release now. You should be sending this out now. Um, you should be updating our website with your information. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it we see after the application. But People are showing an indication they're going to do it. And then you acts that will upload their photos and press releases to the free festival site so that the media can get get that from us, mm. that's an indication that someone's going to go out there and push their show well. Don't have to be a marketing genius, a lot of it's a case of following on in the fringe what you're, you're asked to or told to do by the fringe, mm. um, or indeed us as well. Um, it's people that go, oh I'm just going to go up there and do a show and see what happens and we'll drag a few people in off the street. Uh, which aren't really showing, like, it's his it's effort more than having a sort of marketing genius. Right. Um, and, you know, it's getting it's getting Twitter sorted out and uh, Facebook pages and email lists and, um, you know, looking looking like someone who might want to put some advertising into newspapers and, and programs and things like that, although that can be very expensive for a reasonably small return. Yeah. Um, and he's going to show that they're going to be printing flyers and getting posters around the place. Um, there's a lot of shows I've seen that'll, that'll come up to me during the fringe asking why they've not got anyone anyone in. Um and that'll be the show that I've not seen put posters up around. We've got twenty two venues that people can get posters up all around them, can be out should be out flying every day. So it's uh, it's showing that people are gonna put the effort in to get the bums on seats. Um and also the effort to get the industry in and people in like that, because everyone wants to review, everyone wants to uh, um you know people go to Edinburgh whether it's to get a review, whether it's to sort of launch the career or whether it's just to get better the, better as a comedian. Um, but you do that being part of the whole thing of marketing because you want to be doing that in, in a room full of 70 80 100 people.
2: Mm, definitely. It's, it's one opportunity to
0: do that. It yeah. is. Yes, yes, cuz that was a long rambling answer. No, no, that that's
2: that's a really <laughs> really in-depth and nice answer. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah. I mean, for
0: it's about if it's it's, it's, a, it's a box on my form that lets you put in about 250 words. <laughs> um and you again it's it's a bit like looking through the forms and see if someone's put in their show description as I'm thinking about a show and, and left the box about marketing in blank. Uh, if you put that amount of effort into an application, mm. are you going to put the effort in in August? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 just showing you look like. You're, and I think ninety percent of people say they're going to do one hundred and fifty things and end up doing eighty of them. Mm. Um, it's only natural. Yeah. Every, everyone up in Edinburgh ends up having a uh, tough time of it, and there's too much to do and uh, not enough time to do it in. But you know, getting a good indication early on is a, is a good sign that people are going to put the effort into marketing uh, their show and, and marketing themselves, basically.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you said uh, flyers and posters are quite important. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, I mean, I sometimes question flyering specifically. Posters, I'm more keen on. I think sometimes, especially, I think for a performer in the mm-hmm. Fringe, you can start to blank out posters because mm-hmm. when you've been there for three and a half weeks, you know that poster's there, that poster's, you know what I mean, they don't mm-hmm. really move much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as for flyering, I sometimes find, uh, you know, like day, days will go by that I'll be flyering and because I always do because everyone does, but sometimes mm-hmm. people don't come in because of that, because they've got uh, you know, a pl- day planned ahead of time and stuff. Yeah. Do you rate flyering and what about flyers as well? Like, as in people paying people to flyer?
0: Right, I, I definitely rate flyering um, okay. more than posters. I, flyering, I tell you, has a cumulative effect. Um, you'll get, if, you're out on a, if you're out on a Wednesday, um, most people have got their Wednesdays planned. There'll be a few people um, walking up and down the Royal Mile looking for something. But if you're out there and you fly on a Wednesday, you'll get a handful of people from your flyer and come to your show. But most people if you've got an attractive flyer, um this is back to my attractive flyer that looks good, sells a show, if if you're being personal to people and chatting to them, not just go ever flyer, ever flyer, ever flyer, um, then people will keep hold of it and they'll use that to come back in two or three days' time. So you a lot of acts that will give up after one day because only a couple of people have come for flyering, um, and then people will come two or three days later. If you're if you're out there flyering all the time, it does generate people into the show. Most people should come from your marketing, from the Fringe Programme and other things. The flyering should be be topping that up with people that are interested to see a show that you can grab in to top up the audience. Um, I'd say, without doubt, you should be doing a flyering yourself um, because people like to see the performer, people like to see the person on the flyer, people chat to them about the show, feel someone. Again, it's back to that thing about passion about the show, convincing people to come in, where quite often hiring a flyer. They they don't have the background knowledge of the show. Um, they're not going to do as good a job at selling the show as you are. Um, a lot of acts are very busy, and that's where hiring flyers come in. And you can get some very good flyers that you hire. But um, I definitely say flying's the top way of getting extra people in during the month. Um, and you should be out there doing it yourself. Um, Translating from what you're saying, posters I, posters will attract people at the venue to get to see show. But I I I see that as probably less of an effect than flyering.
2: Okay. It's more of a passive thing, anyway. It's
0: more about people—people people who are in a venue, particularly the multi-room venues—who've um, seen a show or are seeing a show—and there's a million and one flyers, posters around the wall. Will, when they come out of the show, or hang around the bar, be looking around, and if you've got a, a gorgeous, attractive poster, or a, a poster that looks completely different, it'll draw their eye, and that'll get a few people in. Um, that's that's what I think posters are good for. But you're, you're talking, I think, a small number from that. As as for postering around the city, or trying to get them up on the Royal Mile or getting them in cafes, so I think that is a, a complete waste of time because people just get poster blindness. Um, the posters on the Royal Mile get covered up within about 30 seconds if you putting them up anyway. Um, things you get out in, in cafes and things get covered up again, even if you do pay for a poster company to put them out again. Uh, so I think, yeah, some posters in the venue can get a few people in, but getting out there doing, nothing nothing can be better while you're up there than getting out there doing an hour, a couple of hours flying a day. Um, unless you're you're you've got a superstar PR person that's going to be getting everyone in from media and interviews and things like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay. So oh. when you say uh, an attractive poster or an attractive flyer, I know it's really subjective, mm-hmm. but for you, what would what would, I mean like? Is it just an eye-catching thing, or is it like a like because you you've been to the Fringe for x number of years? Mm-hmm. should We just say. Um, what I mean like, can you think of any posts off the top of your head? That that we could Google later on that would you know that you can because of how well designed oh they were or, or, or even uh, do you have any designers that you work with specifically for Huggers or Shaggers or any of your shows <laughs> because they design such good posters that you could <laughs> recommend or you would or you would write um, in a certain way.
0: I, you know I don't really Ian Fox does a lot of great posters he's a sort of photography guy he designs our stuff as well it's I think with the it's just coming up with an idea that sticks out you it's thinking your poster is going to be on a wall with another 20 30 40 50 posters so whether it's having it's down to the show if, if it's either having a, a cracking image of, of you or what the show is about um, ostentation was a great example because you've got the cast all sitting there in their uh, period costumes um, and that sticks out the Next to everyone else, which could be potentially be some person standing there with a the microphone mm. um things like shaggers is a good example and huggers it's it's um child friendly um, afternoon show and they've got it's got a really distinctive logo um and that stands out and as it's a show that's come back year after year, people recognize a logo and it stands out it's it's having i think it's having it's having a poster designed professionally um the ones that fail for me are the ones where people have thrown together themselves on um, Photoshop, or in, especially in Word, some of the people who put posters again in Word should all be shot. Um, you can you can tell a good poster and a bad poster, and the bad bad ones will probably only get you marketing from the the fringes world's worst poster um, <laughs> list that comes up in one of the magazines or newspapers annually. I've not seen that. Um So yeah, there's always, but yeah, it's it's having it professionally done and looking professional. You're you're competing against two and a half thousand, three thousand other shows. Um, so it's I think something well put together, having having quotes on it. Um, it's difficult, like I say, it's it's subjective. What what is a good poster? It's it's yeah. about what's good for selling your show, and getting the unique idea of your show. Your your show should be unique amongst the, I'll say, three thousand others. Yeah. Um, which 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 sadly you know the vast majority aren't. Um, but you can if you've got to come up with an idea. If it's if it's a show about. Oh, I don't know, cycling, for example. is using the image of a bike, using a picture of you on the bike, but having a sort of professional photo taken so it looks attractive, um, rather than just saying, well, my show is um, Fred does comedy on a bike, and it's <laughs> just a picture of Fred standing there with a microphone, like the, another 950,000 posters and flyers.
2: Is this, is this mainly for Edinburgh you talking about, or does this count for Brighton as I well, think that counts for all the
0: festivals. Okay. I think it's, 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 having, it's having professional marketing and something where people look at it, and it looks... If you're giving out a professional bit of paper... On the street, a professional flyer, a nice heavyweight flyer, um, or there's a professional poster on the wall. People are going to be attracted to that show. If you if you, you're giving out a, a badly photocopied bit of paper or something that's been thrown together in Word, that the picture looks like it's something that's taken off a phone, so the um, the image isn't clear, or it's not, it's not you know it's clearly not been taken by a a nice camera or some official. That that clearly lo- it looks to people that the time and effort hasn't gone into it compared to every other show that's in the fringe. Um, so, you, you want to be as professional as possible, okay. um, making it look as good as possible. And then the actual idea behind the poster is, again, something that's like relevant to your show and something that stands out and sells it to be, whether it be the image or quotes or the title or the way it's put across. I like, it's so difficult to pin down exactly what it is that makes a great poster. Yeah. Um, Brighton's a very good, um, a lot of people do the Brighton Fringe to warm up for Edinburgh. Mm. Um, and one of the, the, the great things about it is that's quite often the first time they've seen their poster on a wall. <laughs> um, with a bajillion other posters, um, and quite often acts use that as a way of going, oh, actually, this doesn't stand out quite as well as I thought it does, uh, or quite as well as I thought it did if I use actually use English, <laughs> um, and that gives them a chance to change it and develop. It's one of the one of the good things about the Brighton Fringe. It lets people uh, get their, not just their show, but get all their marketing a little bit tightened up for Edinburgh.
2: Right. So, uh, would you? I mean, I did a. I went to an event in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Run by the Brighton Fringe, and they specifically yep. said, if you're gonna do a work in progress show mm-hmm. in Brighton, make sure it's very aware in all of the like stuff you put out. Because yes, they, because people get annoyed if they go down and obviously it's a, it's not quite there or they're playing around with it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, would you would you recommend Brighton for that, or would you say it's better to previews in London or, or your home city?
0: I I'd say if you're doing the Brighton Fringe, you should certainly have a show ready well before the Brighton Fringe and have previewed it before Brighton, um, but just by the t- the time that Brighton is in the calendar, um, and because Brighton is a much smaller festival, it lends itself to being a preview for Edinburgh. And during May, that tends to be early previews. I'd certainly say yes, make sure it's it's noted that it is a work in progress or a, a new material show or something along those lines. It tends to be people that are doing that, be people that are doing free shows. But as long as you're honest with the audience, then they're happy to come along. Mm. If it's a free show, they can come along and see it and put some cash in, in the bucket. Yeah. Um, so on and so forth. Um, it is. It's Brighton's very good for that. We'd, we'd ideally like people to be coming with lots of big polished shows. Um, but the say, it's the time of calendar and and um, the way Brighton's lit itself, it's it's prime time for people getting ready for Edinburgh. Mm. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so if I mean, I imagine your advice can be slightly different if it's a solo, like your first, your debut show, mm-hmm. rather than because obviously if you've done like four or five shows, people yeah, people sort of got into a rhythm of it. They kind of know who you are and stuff. Yeah. Like that. If. I know, I know a large number of people are probably going to be debuting this year. Mm-hmm. If you had to say one bit of advice for someone debuting their show in Edinburgh, or Brighton, or wherever it is, what would you say is like the thing they should make sure they do above everything else in terms of marketing or PR?
0: Oh well, the the I think the most important thing is having a good show. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but no. um, it's it's that debut hour show is something you should be doing depending on what, you know, how, how quickly you're progressing but certainly three, four, five years into your career as a comedian so don't rush it, don't do it soon have a, have a good idea about what you want to do have a, have a best show you can put together and really want to do that show and then just really go for it mm. um, don't do things half-heartedly um, don't go, oh I'm, I'm going to throw something together and make it the debut hour um, that, that very rarely works um and then everything else on top of it for, for for edinburgh in particular, the most important thing you have is the 40 words in the program uh, with title and however many words is left after you've got your title um that can sell your show um the image in the program and the title and blurb, that, can, that can get 10 reviewers in or no reviewers in so it's, it's getting that honed and, and down into something you really want to do and feel passionate about um and then everything else should follow after that is that, I
2: mean, is, is there a, a service life, laughing horse or a service laughing horse could recommend to help with that? Because I, I know that, I, I know myself, I find it very hard to sell myself, as it were. Like, it's, it, like people say, oh, describe your act. And you're like, ah, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, it's uh-huh. sort of everyone blanks. I mean, is there is there a service that, like, if we had, like, a 40 words that we want to say, would this get you to come into the show? Or is this good, It does this describe the show? It is there uh, mm-hmm. like a, a place you can go to
0: get that there there help. is somebody whose name i've completely forgotten <laughs> um but can provide an, an email to you after well, the will, uh I email that, that's run some marketing sessions he's not a laughing horse person but um also works as a reviewer and a pr person up in edinburgh that helped helped us and a, and a lot of performers last year right. and runs various sessions on how to get the show right how to get your marketing right how to get the, the the blurb and the title right. Okay. Um, and I must say, his name has gone completely out of my head. So that is, <laughs> that is one for an email after the interview. I will follow up, don't <laughs> worry.
2: Um, no, it'd be ama- and they sound like someone who definitely we, we would love to get on this because they, they sound amazing. I bet yes. I've actually got a PR person from mm-hmm. a specifically Edinburgh PR person coming on in January. Yeah, he's good. He um uh, got ruts
0: for this brain has completely gone on the name but yeah no it's a lot of writing reviews and and stuff up there and has been mm-hmm. up in Edinburgh working out and last year was the first he was offering himself as PR okay um and does it as little, little bite-sized chunks not as a pay me a gazillion pounds to do your PR <laughs> for the month but pay for sort of small chunks or a little bit of help while you're up there and just guide people in the right direction at oh, what what industry and reviewers want and I, from what I could see it helped a lot of people last year Amazing. Okay. and uh, again the advancing senility has made me completely forget his name <laughs> don't
2: worry about it I will, I will, I will chase it up don't yeah. worry people listening it's absolutely fine it will be everything we talk about by the way I, I do show notes for everything so yeah. it'll all be in there so mm-hmm. uh yeah I'll Check the website. Um, so yeah, I mean, what? Because obviously, I don't know if you necessarily see uh, first of all PPH um, uh, sort of pop. I mean, you say you work with them. Do you see them yeah. as competition? What are your thoughts on the new sort of uh, kids on the block? I don't want to say it like that. But do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what, do you, what do you think of, of kind of? Do you see them as competition? Or? Um,
0: it is. It is competition in some way, but um, not in many others. It's. 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 They're all. Every, every, I'm just going to stutter now for the next 10 minutes to try and come up with the right word Um, it's all organisations that are effectively trying to do the same thing make the Fringe better but in their own way and I think the more organisations that are out there offering free shows or alternative ways of doing Fringe, the better Um, the fact that there is now four main organisations that offer essentially free shows um, that validates the, the, the element of doing shows are free to audiences um, you go back 10 years when there was one organisation, and people were confused about it, and it was the, often the equation of, what what is this free? It's free, it must be rubbish. That's slowly been chipped away over the years, where people know there's actually some very good acts out there. Mm-hmm. And over the last two or three years, um, and I think, again, the valid, validation that there is now four, five, actually five organisations, is Scottish Comedy Festival do... Uh, um, some free shows as part of their programme as well. There's lots of different organisations doing free shows, so the more there is, the better. Mm. Certainly in terms of um, in people and audiences, um, our numbers are as strong last year as they were the year before. Um, it's always a bit difficult to uh, to judge it because there isn't people sort of counting people in and out of the venues, but obviously from, f- from feedback from Max, it feels as strong as it ever has. And there is now I don't know how many free shows are up there, but a hell of a lot more this year mm. than there was last year. Um, we do things our way. Um, the the, the free-stable guys have come in and do it slightly differently where they're moving into venues where they're doing a lot more kitting out and running the actual venue. Um, we move into uh, existing venues and, and promote the shows. Um, Bob Slayer obviously does his pay-what-you-want. Uh, method so it's it's lots of different lots of different methods to sort of get to the same aim so it's a yeah it's sort of competition but friendly competition is the way we look at it and behind the scenes even between the borrowing let's like I say I asked to borrow amplifiers last year <laughs> and I remember Bob Bobble like borrowing chairs off of um, the underbelly that yeah. everyone behind the scenes uh, well, more or less everyone behind the scenes is all prepared to help each other out and get to the aim because it's a difficult month yes um, and you're all trying to do the same things essentially
2: yeah I mean. That's that's the way I view it as a as, yeah. a, as a performer. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can imagine. I mean, for, a few people have asked uh, why you fell out with PBH originally. Uh,
0: how how long have you got for this interview? <laughs> well, you <laughs> said you've got all the time. So, well, the, the short story is we we both got a slightly different philosophy on the way the free shows should run. Um, we we worked with Peter for three years, I think it was, um, and we got to the stage where we wanted to do things one way. Um, and Peter wanted to do things slightly different way, so we decided essentially it was much better if we worked on our own um, My mythology of it all is laughing horse myself free festival is a sort of central organization. everyone pays a fee each year which goes into supply equipment p r advertising and so on and so forth. so performers come up and have a, a venue set up for them, which with a few volunteers that help us set up and things like that. Um, Whereas Peter's mythology is is more or less it's uh, a collective where everyone jumps in and helps out and someone brings a microphone and someone else brings along something else. Um, So it's a slightly different way. Um, Obviously Peter, very immovable in his opinions on ways things should work, which is, I think, both annoying and, and, and again, it's one of those things that he he has got an ethos and a way of doing things and he will stick to it no matter what. So that's also something, I think, to be congratulated that someone's not movable. But sometimes for people working in... That can be a little bit of a nightmare. Um, so, again, myself sort of split off from Peter. Where were we? 2000 blah, blah, something, many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bob worked with us and he had different ideas, and we had a, a not a split, but he's he done his thing. He's, he's usually one of our venues and we still work together. So, that was a uh, not so much a split, but a slight sort of parting of different ideas. Yeah. That's how the paid, um, pay what you want mythology came up. And then, obviously, go through all the press and things, the Festival guys split off from Peter this year because they had a different philosophy. I um, think it's just lots of people with different philosophies about getting to the, more or less, the same end, making the fringe better for the performers, the venues, and themselves, basically.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, lo- I love how you've described each of your mm-hmm. competitors, should we mm-hmm. say, and yourself, because uh, for me, anyway, whenever mm-hmm. I apply to go to Edinburgh or mm-hmm. for the last couple of, two, three years, whatever it's been, mm-hmm. I have uh, tried to research... You, as in you, a mm-hmm. laughing horse, yeah. uh, and whoever else I think I might go mm-hmm. with, as best mm-hmm. as I can. And I know as an act, uh, it's sometimes you look at it and you go, well, they've got these rooms, they've got this, they've got that. Mm-hmm. Someone said that was a good place because of the yeah. time sort of there and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think
0: acts predominantly their reasoning for going to or going with the particular is they want to be in a particular room. They've seen a room, that's the venue they want to be in. Yeah. Um, and that's predominantly about it. whether it's a paid room, a free room. Um, or whatever—that's the room that suits their show, so they're going to apply it to the people um, that are running that room.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that was part of the reason why, because uh, we met up in Edinburgh briefly, mm-hmm. uh, just randomly, and because I was trying to take photos of all the rooms. So okay, you know, yeah, uh, and make that map, and uh, it's still coming along. Like, it's got a fair number of them done. But I need, to, I need to get more.
0: Only 450 yeah. venues to yeah, go. I know. <laughs> uh,
2: no, I, uh, yeah, we've, I've probably got about 30 venues. Yeah. Sorted and I've still got some that people have emailed in that I haven't put up. Yeah, I,
0: I had but someone this year. The plan was to go out right at the beginning of the Fringe and get some nice photos taken yeah. of all our rooms set up. Mm. Um, and, and even just doing our own rooms. That failed dismally with the amount <laughs> of time to do anything.
2: My, my aim is to get up there two days early this year <laughs> and uh, work with you and PBH mm-hmm. uh, and, and any of the others that will do it with mm-hmm. me and take photos of all of them. Because... I know as a, a performer, mm-hmm. I'm not going to see every room unless I go to around them, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it'd be really good, because otherwise you, you limit yourself by your own experiences of Oh, rooms. yeah, yeah.
0: No, you should, as, as a, someone who's not done a show, um, you should definitely get, you should get up there and just see as many rooms, big, mm. small, paid, free, whatever, yeah. um, because, multi-room venues, get around all the spaces, pop in and out of shows between them running, yeah. um, and just see what the spaces are, because every single space is different. Mm. Um, and you know what you know what's going to suit your show best, or sort of. Uh, I tend to ask acts for the sort of the top four venues uh, of what they want, and, and usually we can do that. Or usually I will look at the show information, have a chat with them, and say, well, what about this room? That might be a little bit better. It's a bit more intimate, or it's got a bigger stage, or it's got AV equipment, and so on and so forth.
2: So so as a performer if I applied to you this year as Edinburgh if I was not yep. sure what room to take I could email you and you'd say well these rooms fill that criteria well, yeah and
0: we basically have a, uh, an application form where it says sort of list your, your four rooms you'd like to go in but there's plenty of space you can say well actually this is the sort of show that I'm doing I need AV or I, I need a stage where people can see what's going on or you know I want an intimate space or it needs to be a large space mm. because we've got sets and props and <laughs> everything else to wheel in and out so that gives me an idea of places that we can suggest yeah. um, I think this year we're going to have one or two new spaces. There's, there's one or two spaces which we're not sure um, if we're going to be running in for various sort of outsized things like venues going into administration. <laughs> oh, joy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as much information as you can give me, the better. Mm. Um, and then we, we, we want to we make sure the right show's in the right room. Right, of
2: course. But it benefits everyone in that. In that exactly, room. It's exactly. Not, it's not just a... Um, how, if, if I... Well, I am, but if I am someone listening... Who has a show, <laughs> uh, and I thought to myself, right, I really want to get you down to the show for whatever reason. What is the best way of doing
0: that? Are we talking about in Edinburgh or uh, beforehand? Uh,
2: well, we can do either if I you know. want. I mean, like, do, um, do you normally see previews rather it, than Edinburgh? Pre- I tend
0: to see a lot more previews and things before the festival because usually in Edinburgh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure there's a spare minute to see things. I think <laughs> last year in Edinburgh, I, I'm trying to think, I probably saw about half a dozen shows while I'm up there. Right. Uh, so I tend to see a lot more shows outside of the festival. Um, but I do make sure that act shows that are going well or um, shows that got a lot of interest things. I do try and make sure I get out there because obviously the press and things want to talk, talk about it. But I'm, I'm quite often I'm the sort of person that sneaks in at the beginning and stands at the back and manages about ten minutes before the phone starts to vibrate and there's a, a crisis somewhere across the other side of Edinburgh. <laughs> yes,
2: I'm sure I'm sure you have a car or some sort of scooter that you're just always moving around on. Um, I mean, you, you you said you only run two in England, you run Brighton and basically the two ends of the country. That's that you it, so you Brighton. can
0: get too much for her, but yeah, I was going to start Inverness or a, a, <laughs> L- a Loch Lomond Fringe Festival, they're about as far apart as you can get. Yeah,
2: yeah. There, there are other ones though, there are like the Reading Comedy Festival in Manchester and all mm. those kind have you got any plans to expand into um, this?
0: We, we, we're keeping an eye on them, um, it's, it's the difficulty of just trying to fit more things in through the year and... With a lot of the festivals that are the smaller ones, it's it's that much more difficult to uh, to put the time um, and the money that's needed into sort of setting up a venue and and uh, and running things. Which is the way it's really progressed that we we've started with the biggest fringe and is sort of working down from there. We've started a few things up the stuff out in Asia with with partners out there, um, and we're sort of essentially. Pro- uh, Co-producing and, and booking performance for festivals, um, so we're certainly not saying no to any any other festivals, but it's just it's just working on where we think the next move is. We used to do some stuff at Leicester Comedy Festival. Okay. Um, that's a nice festival, um, but it's 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 one where it's I think it's it's reached sort of beyond saturation point of the number of shows, um, and it's very difficult to do things, um, and it needs people that are going to put a huge amount of time into Leicester. Bob Slayer's done very well up there the last couple of years, so it's, it can certainly be done. But we don't want to sort of spread ourselves too thinly. And try and do a million and one festivals, um, just because we can. Um, it's trying to do the ones that we are doing as, as well as possible, you, um, and then look to see if there's space to move on to a, a, another one.
2: Do you ever go to the other festivals just for fun, like to watch or anything? Or, or? Uh,
0: not? No, not like, again. It's, it's, it's that thing down to time. I've been, okay. I've been meaning to get out to Montreal for about the last five years, and it's I've failed dismally, um, <laughs> and get over to uh, sort of Kilkenny and and things like that. It's it's, it's it's again down to times. I find I'm I'm at festivals for so much of the year. And my downtime for when I'm doing admin um, is the sort of September through till Christmas time where there isn't as much running. Um, I wanted to try and get out to the Birmingham Comedy Festival this year, but again, didn't manage, manage it because of time.
2: Which, which, I mean, of all the festivals that you don't get involved in, what are I mean? Are there any you would recommend to other people to try to like do maybe previous Edinburgh or yeah?
0: I think Glasgow's got a great reputation. Um, that always sounds like a fantastic festival for people to do. Right. I think Leicester doing it for a short run for a, for a night or two that seems to, that seems to be good. But you have to put sort of a lot of work and effort into it. Right. Um, they don't really have the experience of any of the other uh, sort of smaller festivals. Okay. Um, to sort of say whether it's yes definitely go for that one or not. I think they've all. If it's the time of the year that, I think, I think it's the time of the year where you've got a show ready or a show to preview, then it's worth doing the festival. It's just having to sit there and analyse, mm. is it going to cost me an absolute fortune to do it or is it something that I can afford to do and I'm going to get something out of it? Be it, be it financially or not, but especially if it's going to progress the show. Completely. make the show better get you in front of industry people and, and progress like that so it's a, it's sitting down and analyzing whichever festival and I think all of these all of these festivals have got huge plus points mm. um, it's about it being the right time and the right festival for you
2: yeah um, just go back slightly to what you said because uh, when we we're asking like how mm. you get you down to your like a show uh-huh. to, to watch. You said that your down downtime quote I'm sure you never really have downtime. But your your downtime is uh, between sort of September and December. Yes. Is that the time then if so, like would you so if I if if one of us wanted to get you down to, to their preview, would that be the time to email and that that's that
0: that is the time, yes. No, so se- told
2: you don't check your your inbox on Facebook?
0: I, I'm. I yeah, email me. <laughs> okay. I I do check the uh, probably my inbox on Facebook is I'll I'll check it and I'll see a message and I'll have read it um, and then have completely forgotten about it and there's <laughs> there's nothing there to sort of remind me that it's still there. Yeah. Um. There's, there's 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 a couple of acts I'm desperately trying to remember to book for um Adelaide and Perth at the moment and they've emailed me after about a month and we keep looking at this message and forgetting about it. I, I
2: know. Um, the problem.
0: So yeah, email is the way. Email can sit there and if it's something I want to see, I can mark it as. Um, not being read, um, <laughs> and even if I don't get back to it, I'll be reminded of it. Yeah, I, I um, have that
2: same problem with Facebook. You yeah. can mark it as unread, but it's not as useful as email. Yeah, but- I
0: think if you, it's a complete ambush of email and contact and messages from various different directions, be it Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Skype... Yeah. Um, text messages and everything. But I I tend to find if it's sent as an email, it's it's sitting in my outlook along with everything else and it's something that will not necessarily get done straight away, but we'll get we'll get around to it eventually, or will definitely be seen.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I have the same problem. I think I think I I I have a lot of weird thoughts about technology mm-hmm. and stuff based, based mm-hmm. around my day job and stuff. But mm-hmm. I just think there's too many methods of contacting people yeah, now. And definitely. I know that sounds weird because like we're gonna be social media and all that mm-hmm. kind of we're be that generation, mm-hmm. but I think there's too many. And I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think it's, we there, need just pick which ones we're going to be on and stick yeah, with
0: it. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of great... I mean, I've used WhatsApp over the last year or so, and yeah. that's great. And that's great at festivals where you've got WhatsApp God. groups for keeping in contact with other performers, God, yeah. who's doing shows, or even the sort of people that you're working with to mm-hmm. um, you'll know, catch up with them. So I think that all of the different methods have got a, a huge amount going for them. Yeah. But I think certainly in terms of admin of, of running festivals and comedy clubs, you can't beat an email. Um, it, it's always there, it's, like, it's always check, and you've, you've got that trail of communication going back over right. however many emails there is in a conversation <laughs> to, to work out something you've forgotten about or something yeah, the yeah, performer's yeah. forgotten about. Um, it's, all, it's, all, it's all there in writing so you can see it and remember it.
2: Yeah, um, I've been asked why uh, is the process for applying for Brighton so confusing? I don't understand why I have to register with you and The Fringe separately.
0: Uh, Well, that's no different from any of the other festivals. That's exactly the same.
2: Yeah, that's the same. That's
0: the same. It's it's the same as Edinburgh and all the other fringe festivals. Um, If you've not done a fringe festival before, essentially, whoever you're with, you've got a venue and you've got the festival themselves. Um, So part of what you're doing a fringe festival is an open access festival, uh, so anyone can take part. So you can go and find your own venue. You can go and set something else up yourself and do it. Um, So you've got the point of contact with a venue that you've booked into or a venue that you've set up and you've got your deal with them whatever that might be um, but you've also got the contact with the festival Um, so it is a bit of duplication but you've got the festival which which give you a certain number of services it varies from fringe to fringe and festival to festival but essentially going into the 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 program and getting various services for artists and press lists and media lists and things like that from the festival then you've got the the separate side of it where you're booking into a venue and uh, registering your space and um, or hiring a space and so on and so forth and then what you get from that so it is a sort of, it's a two pronged attack and that's, that's exactly the same as Edinburgh um, and every other festival that I've I've been to um, there are some particularly in Brighton because it's a smaller festival there are some venues where you apply to the festival uh, sorry sorry, I'll start again you apply to the venue and the venue will register you with the Fringe themselves um, but that is effectively the venue doing that Fringe part of it for you
2: um do you have any advice uh, for someone who wants to apply for the Australian festivals? And what are the main differences between the UK and, in general, the abroad festivals?
0: Um, think, think early. Um, for any of the Australian festivals, the time to start thinking about it is in July um, of over the, the previous year, so okay. in, in sort of July for um, a, a fe- I mean I'll go back a stage that the main ones out in Australia. There are again a lot sort of little ones that spring up around them. But you've got the Perth uh, Fringe World Festival, uh, which starts uh, sort of mid mid January. It's January the twenty third this year and runs through to mid February. Um, you've then got the Adelaide Fringe, which starts mid February, runs through till mid March. She uh, goes on for a whole week more than Edinburgh, so can you imagine how dead everyone is by the end of that? <laughs> um, and then you've got a short gap of usually about 10 days, and then the Melbourne Comedy Festival kicks in. Um, so all of the deadlines for those are progressively earlier. The, the Perth deadline for getting into what they they, they have... Uh, basically a matchmaking scheme for for venues out there Um, so that all kicks off and there's deadlines starting towards the end of Edinburgh which is always fun trying to come out of the Edinburgh bubble to think about Perth and then you get deadlines towards end of September, beginning of October for final deadlines for Perth deadlines for Adelaide um, and then into November for for Melbourne, so it's it's much like Edinburgh where you're you're planning everything six months ahead. So it's mm. it's thinking early and then starting to talk to people, whether it's myself or other promoters out there, about what you want to do and coming up with a a plan. Usually performers when they go out there um, will do more than one festival to make it viable. Um, obviously the big cost for going out there is paying eight nine hundred pounds to get on a plane and get to Australia and back. Mm. Um, most of the festivals out there, performers will do shorter runs. They don't tend to do the whole festival. Um, Perth typically t- tends to be about a week, um, Adelaide tends to be two weeks of the, the four and a half weeks that that festival runs and Melbourne tends to be either a short run or potentially a full run. Melbourne's about the length of Edinburgh so a lot more people do the full run in Melbourne so a lot of performers pick a couple of festivals to do to, to tie it together and to um, make the make the, uh, the budgets balance for, for getting out there. Um, and also a bit of time to add on a holiday as well and things like that, which course, is always a, yeah. good, a good part of going to Australia in uh, <laughs> February is it's a little bit more sunny oh, back here.
2: Everywhere's a little bit more. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's
0: preparation and working out we do and, and having conversations with people. There's, there's various promoters over here um, that take people out to Australia, but sitting down and doing the research, they're all... Sim- similar structures to um edinburgh they're all completely different in their own ways but they've all got support they've all got information on their websites so get an idea about the festival and uh, what you want to do and start t- talking to people Edinburgh's a, a prime time to talk to me about it because everyone tends to be in edinburgh yeah. so that's where conversations usually start mm. um and then in terms of the the venues that i run um i, I co produce a venue in um Adelaide, run a second one, and then produce shows at other festivals the time to start talking sort of, back end of Edinburgh into september and that's when people start making decisions on on what to put where
2: mm. okay um and what, just finally on the on the on the festival front <laughs> what are your thoughts on like the really small venues oh sorry ed, uh, festivals are kind of cropping up like Laugh Kingston that was like the most recent one do you, have
0: you heard about that one I've heard of that one yeah. Yeah. I live in Twickenham so it's oh, just it down the road from me Yeah, uh, what what but naturally even though it's been down with the road we never managed to get to see anything <laughs> either last year is, is this year's one happened I'm not sure it's already happened
2: I was it's already yeah. has happened this <laughs> year I know it's sort
0: of followed on at some point this time yeah, of yeah,
2: yeah. year well no because mo- basically most people do like one show there so mm-hmm. it's it's not so much a festival as a as a kind of Five-day fringe of uh, you know, no. so I mean, uh, what do you what do what are your thoughts on those kind of?
0: Uh, I think the more the better. There's there's lots. I mean, there's suppose Sheffield Comedy Festival and other places like that that we do tend to do shorter festivals. The ones we co-produce out in Asia tend to be the shorter festivals. Mm. Um, I th- I think it's so, anyone anyway, that's starting that can it's something like that that can let performers do their shows. um Depending on the festival, it's either the fringe way of inviting performers in, and if they they want to do the show they can do or if it's people sitting down there and curating and programming a festival um, but the more festivals are better because in that local area be it Kingston or wherever that generates a huge amount of interest in comedy or mm. across all the arts if it's a fringe festival okay. um so that gets more people into venues more people into to comedy clubs and into sea shows that then may trickle on to see other shows throughout the year mm. okay um so yeah more festivals are better
2: awesome um right so that's all the festival questions uh, these are I'm just going to whip through your personal mm-hmm. questions for you okay because okay. Um, I imagine these are going to be the easiest okay. ones for you to answer <laughs> um, so who are your favourite comedians maybe not the easiest question to answer no <laughs> never, never an
0: easiest the top of the list is, is the easiest Daniel Kitson um, right. who I think I've seen all of his shows, be it the, the, wow. the comedy shows or the more theatre style shows in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. apart from the one he did at 11 o'clock in the morning in Edinburgh, which is <laughs> slightly traumatic trying to get to that one. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love Daniel Kitson, um, okay. absolute top of the pole. But after that, it's it's going into comedians. I think the more sort of intelligent stand up, I like to see someone with a microphone being intelligent for you. I love Jungle Dillo, he's another great act. Um, I could yeah, I could sit here for, for for ages now, reeling off. So I was say "Yes, <laughs> Daniel, let's go." Daniel Kitson is is a favourite comedian.
2: Okay, and like uh, following on to that, what are your favourite? You, what DVDs have you got in your collection? Like, what is your like on your? I, you you have, a DVD think, yeah, I have a DVD
0: collection, but it? I did nothing comedy related. I don't it think not? at all. Okay. No, you I tend I. Oh, I I like to go and see stand up live. Right. I think that's that's in its its sort of most natural form. Okay. Um you you only get the atmosphere um in a live venue. Um okay. so I I will go out and see be it either uh, big shows things at like festivals I went to see the Monty Python uh, live um earlier in the year. Mm. Um so I I consume comedy by going to see it rather than looking at DVDs and I don't think I've got a single comedy DVD in my collection. Oh,
2: that's that's interesting. <laughs> So not even not even like one to support the actor or anything. I mean, you obviously support them by going to the thing. So I suppose you don't necessarily need to keep a memento of that occasion.
0: Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever picked one up. At a, a, I've got a couple of books. I've got Phil K's books and things like that. So
2: what your favourite books on or what recommended reading do you have? uh,
0: Um, I love uh, my my two favourite Phil K's book, the Holy Holy, uh, Viable. Um, okay. which which once you once you decipher um, <laughs> it is a great read. Um uh, the Malcolm Hardy book, Freddie Mercury ate my uh, stole my I birthday cake. Yeah. Fre- not Freddie um Freddie I stole, I Freddie, stole Mercury. Freddie Mercury's There <laughs> we go, get there in the again. I stole Freddie Mercury's birth, birthday cake. That's that's an absolute great read as well. Right. Um about one of the one of the true legends of the comedy circuit. Definitely. So uh, yes. And I probably got uh, it's sort of autobiographies and things. Benny Hill's um autobiography I read and that's very interesting and that again talks about the comedy circuit, um, right back to sort of music hall and the days where it was completely different, and now it was progressing through as a, as a turn um, treading the balls in the music halls and theatres to you, get through on TV back in those days.
2: Have you read? Uh, I think it's called Getting the Joke, or the, the the one by Jimmy Carr. I think it's called The Naked The Naked Joke. I know the one. No, I've not read that but one. It's really good for the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's where he sort of talks mm-hmm. about the the progression of jokes and music yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, do do you have any recommendations for books on? Uh, Joke theory or or practical writing or anything like that? No,
0: I've not read a huge amount of those. Um, Tony Allen's book, um, which he wrote well again. I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I got that one. That's that's an interesting, both history of um, stand-up comedy, um, but also a lot of tips and advice on being a comedian, finding your voice and things like that. Um and I just wish I could remember it. Going back to the senility again. Me time.
2: It's okay. I've got Google later. It's absolutely fine. You'd have to remember anything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as long as you remember your way home.
0: <laughs> Let's hope so. It's getting dark outside now.
2: <laughs> what are the what are your favorite shows you've ever seen?
0: Oh dear.
2: Yeah, I, I can imagine none of these are actually as easy as I was.
0: <laughs> no, no. It shouldn't remember from so many. I'd be boring to say some of Daniel Kitson's ones. Um, okay. I think I've got with I think it just goes hand in hand with him being my favorite comedian yeah. performer. Um, I'm just going to be sitting here now going, oh my no, there's a bit, a bit of editing to do on this one.
2: That's, that's my job. That's- <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear. I love Years ago, so Anvil Springsteen um, saw okay. up in Edinburgh. He um, was doing a show about his life. He, he's moved out to Australia over the last few years, so not seen him for a little while. Okay. Um, but that was a great show in Edinburgh. Um, Boothby Graffoe um complete, completely completely out to what i was saying about a person just standing there with a the microphone talking <laughs> but lots of really original songs and a really nice take on things and again he was off sort of touring with music and things like that for a long time but right. back back in several years ago when he did Edinburgh shows each year um Chris Addison seen up in Edinburgh that's that's been yeah. some great shows
2: so so when you say intelligent do you mean like tackling like a subject in their life or like political i mean what's your favorite style of mean, i i
0: i i've it's, it's difficult trying to, but it's a bit like music for me as well. I, I I can't really put a pin down on a particular style whether it's about their life. I love Mark Thomas or sort of, several of his shows up in Edinburgh. So really going into sort of the political, the campaigning side of it, but also love the, the Dave Gorman shows oh, that he yeah. did up in Edinburgh before before he sort of moved into the television. And that's a completely different genre with the, you know the the, the PowerPoint presentation mm. style and doing the the, the more sort of uh, this this has happened in this last year or yeah. Uh, mm. Documentary style of show, so mm. it's not particularly about the show. It's I, I tend to find a show if it's an interesting subject, and it's put together. Um, Shelley Cooper many years ago, don't know if you know she's uh, around on the circuit, um, did a whole show uh, about being transgendered and uh, moving from from male to female, and that was that was a show about that. And it's it's an interest. It's, it's an interesting subject put together well, and got some interesting thoughts of it rather than just. Um, Um, just just rattling out some jokes
2: yeah yeah no Mm -hmm. there there are a fair number Mm -hmm. of people that um, we'll keep names out of it but that are basically putting together (laughs) no no names and names put you on the spot no this is not we'll talk about it (laughs) off camera camera. but no I know you mean there are a fair number of um, I mean me Mm -hmm. I'm I'm guilty of that I mean last year I did Mm -hmm. a show uh, where I did 18 jokes and Mm -hmm. that was it that was the whole show okay. and uh, the idea was I, I wrote I wrote the, the set list mm-hmm. down every morning mm-hmm. I put a number next to every joke and then I got uh, randomly and I got the audience to yell out a number okay. and I gave them that joke because I was trying to make a show out of jokes mm-hmm. that didn't have an order and right. it was kind of like What's the point in forcing it? You know what I mean. So yeah. it's really good to know loads of people who have put time and effort into an actual show. Yeah. We- and
0: again, it, it it works as a sliding scale. Where again, where it's it's newer people going to put a show on, it will be let, more loosely structured. It yeah. will be more about trying to find the voice and finding the material. Yeah, yeah. Um, great show. Many years ago, um, a, a friend of mine, Craig Shainak, who did a show called I Am Google, um, which is oh. a great one in American Go, It's all basically about him um, imagining Google um, as a person. Uh, He's not been to Edinburgh the last couple of years for a show, but he did a show which was um, called The Wheel of Accents. Um, which was essentially spin spin the wheel, and then did an accent and did some comedy in that in, <laughs> in that amazing. particular accent. That sounds so, amazing. and it's a structure that it's it's not a structured show, but that worked just as well yeah. as something that has been sat there and, and written out and structured. That sort of more improvised comedy.
2: So, so are these the comedians you'd go out of your way to watch? Like, is there, is there like a when you go to Edinburgh, is there who are like the five comedians you'll like go out of your way to be like? Well, I know I've got shows on this, but I will get someone to cover because I've got to go and see this. I mean, obviously Kitson.
0: Obviously, Kitson. Well. Um, oh, that's another difficult one to answer. Um, <laughs> Do you want to skip? Yes, yeah, Let's skip asked, that one. Asked, so I'm it. trying to think of my list from this year. I went to see. Um, I'm trying to think of the entire uh, Margaret Thatcher Queen of Soho. Wow. Okay. Um, which I'd heard of great things about, and and met the guy that played Margaret Thatcher just before the festival, and it was a whole story that interested me. Um, and the fact it was it was a cabaret thing more than a comedy thing but lots of really sharp one liners as well as a cabaret thing big feel good show yeah. so that's something completely out of the, yeah, the, the yeah. zone normally going so that was a that was a great hour of a hour or just over an hour of, uh, sort of comedy and cabaret and everything like that i'm trying to think this year also i saw it very very little <laughs> um i saw i saw actually an actor really liked. it's dave callum who was who was over in edinburgh this year but um, i didn't actually see him in edinburgh i saw him over in adelaide right um which does a, a show um uh, i can't remember the name um but was all about music um and he does a lot of stuff about dance routines and um, music from the 80s and things like that so that was great and again i'm going completely different off piece yeah. from what i was saying about uh uh, person with microphone type thing.
2: Yeah, what I'm learning is uh, essentially be the best you can be and people will be. Come.
0: Is, be yeah, be as. Good as you can at what you want to do and, and what you do best, and there's there's a market for you. Be interesting. Be, yeah. su- be something slightly different. So you've got to stand out from the crowd. Not be the 150th act doing the same <laughs> style of comedy as before, be, be yourself. Find your own voice. Oh, that's definitely what I want to hear mm-hmm.
2: after after being reviewed in your competition as just a skinny Stuart Lee. So I <laughs> so. well at least you're skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I put it up on Facebook and about four friends yeah. who knew me when I was really really fat. It, and just went skinny. <laughs> I was like, Thanks for that. Uh, not getting any of it, are you? Um, yeah,
0: yeah I'd, I'd take an effect skinny at some stage in my life, yeah. clearly not at the moment. <laughs> it means I like can um, get fat
2: now, and people will yeah. Google it and go, oh, no. this person knows nothing what they're on about, exactly. because they clearly I, don't even know what he is. No. You know?
0: I think it's, it's an easy thing for reviewers to say you're like a version of Stuart Lee, yeah. or a version of Bill Hicks, or a version yeah. of, insert comedian there, because a lot of people are going to have similar material mm. or a similar style but not be exactly the same. Yeah. And it may well be, as a comedian that's starting out, you've got a voice similar to someone who is one of your favourite comedians, or it someone who, someone you like, but gradually, over a course number of years, you will find your own voice. Yeah, I mean, um, And whether it's in, in the, a similar style to Stuart Lee, or <laughs> in a, end up, you end up being uh, compared to Harry Hill in a few years, who knows? Well... <laughs>
2: We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you will regret saying it. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, how often do you go to see comedy for fun then? Because, I mean, imagine with your schedule, that's that's not something you get to do as much um, as you probably... I mean, like, I'm talking I, about shows that aren't laughing horse. Ones. Shows that
0: aren't laughing horse, probably only a handful of times a year. Okay. Uh, we usually end up going to sort of some sort of new act competition finals and things yeah. like that. Uh, sort of friends that run comedy clubs in London sort of pop in and see a bit of a show. But it's purely because of the schedules, time is getting less and less yeah. to see things. I'll see a lot of acts that come through the sort of best of fringe shows that I run in Edinburgh and other festivals, and that's what I think I see predominantly in most of my acts or right. through the sort of the Laughing Horse competition. But to actually, actually um, go out for a night of comedy, it's getting, getting less and less because I'm, I'm out doing it so much myself.
2: So, so. It's going to sound like a weird question, but to get in front of you at the right time of the year and all that kind of stuff, try and get onto the new acts. Uh, sort of builds in Edinburgh kind of thing yes yes now
0: we, we run a sort of Pick of the Fringe show and then a sort of a, a new act selection which is a mixture of uh, sort of well known acts and some new ones so so getting on there in front of me or in front of the other guys and again I've got a lot of people when I run the new act nights in London or clubs um, around the place which we've got support acts which other people run and feed mm-hmm. information back to me I've got people that I trust yeah. running shows and, and everyone does a uh, show report is, is over glamorizing it, but making some <laughs> comments or telling me if that act did really well, and yeah, yeah. I trust these people. So then I'll make sure the acts that have done really well in a, a newer act spot in Brighton on a Saturday night is someone that I'll make sure I book again, that it's someone in front of me that I can see them.
2: How, I mean, how, what is the selection process then for your? Is it only you only book Laughing Horse acts for your, you know, sort of selection shows in Laughing Horse and stuff? Because I know there's a lot of sort of. Keeping it to themselves in in the selection shows. In yeah. Editing. Um.
0: There's, there's a lot of promoting yourself, but yeah. Now for the selection show, it's it's whoever we book from across the entire festival. So we just um, email. So we have a bit in where, yeah, you just just email in and ask for if it's if you're someone I know and right. someone I like and <laughs> someone I think's good, then you'll get a lot of spots. Right. Um. And we we have people from varying selection from all the paid venues from mm. all the various free. Fringes and festivals of um, every, or- and a lot of acts from myself because I know it is it is the 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 best of the fringe shows. Because the, mm-hmm. the fringe do sort of self promote the other shows as well. Sure. So obviously I'm keen to put in the guys that are doing the free festival because then that helps them out and yeah. helps them get people in. But Making it's, an exit it's uh, flyer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and similarly you get the people that pay. We'll, we'll get you get a lot of bigger acts that come down from underbelly and Pleasants and things that will then do the show and then they'll have their sort of flying team. I'll be flying outside. So <laughs> it it works for everyone. People can come down and sell a few tickets off the back of doing a. A selection show, so yeah. There's no, there's no sort of criteria. You can't do it if you're <laughs> if you're not uh, doing a free festival venue. It's uh, it's only acts I know from sort of yeah. bigger names know over the year that want to come down and try it out and have a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. um, to sort of everyone I know from around the festival, essentially.
2: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of more of a chummy thing than a yes. Yeah, um, I mean, and what are your uh, keeping laughing horse mm-hmm. out of it? What are your favourite venues to go and watch comedy in when you these five times a year that you, <laughs> you <to> tear <laughs> these away. five
0: times a year? I, I love the uh, the comedy pub. Uh, okay. I've been so. I've got I've been up there a few times each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, got two 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 rooms downstairs and upstairs. which is a really nice mm-hmm. comedy vibe to it. Yep. Uh, favorite venue in in the, the, the country, if not the world, is the Stand in Edinburgh. Oh, uh, okay. Really gorgeous comedy room. You're, you're you're packed in. It's tight. You're close to the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a venue where it's it's all about the comedy. Um, rather than it being about selling stuff to stag nights and hen knights and so on and so forth, mm. uh, but it's all during the fringe, I love some of the tented venues, well, sort of the gardens, the uh, what was the Spiegel Gardens, the George Square sort of assembly gardens where you have got a selection mm. of different Spiegel tents and things like that. It's sort of really interesting. There's, there's similar places in Australia as well, in Adelaide and Perth, where you can go into sort of, tented venues and it's uh, sitting around on the wooden seats and it tends to be in the, more of in the round and mm. things like that. So that gives you a slightly different uh, feel to comedy than you are in a room. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of other clubs i've been to um recently um no, let's go let's go for that as a select let's, sele- let's go for that as a selection yeah 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 let's i think so. i mean the co- i mean you can sit there and go obviously the place like the comedy store absolute great it's an mm. absolute brilliant brilliant venue and sort of rattle off the list of uh fantastic well, made, comedy rooms yeah. there are out there yeah, yeah. but yeah i I'd, I'd certainly have the stand as, as as my top one as favorite one to so pop in i t- try and pop in when i'm up in edinburgh doing yeah sort of festival meetings and every now and then during the festival if I get the time to get over that way.
2: I know I know it's a performer favourite. I know that like mm-hmm. pretty much everyone who's ever done it has come back and said, you've got to do it, it's amazing. No. And I know there's a waiting list of like two years or something ridiculous <laughs> for it because it's just so... In Demi- and they've got they've got mm-hmm. three venues now. So is it just the Edinburgh ones? Mont- yeah,
0: Mont- I've I've not been to the Newcastle or uh, Glasgow ones. Okay. So uh, yes, I can't, can't pass <laughs> comments on those ones. So yes, I'll just say they just the Edinburgh ones. <laughs> from from what I've heard from people, they're they're fantastic as well. The, okay. the stand know how to run a good comedy club, mm-hmm. and it's it's there for it's venues that are run for the for, for the comedy. Yeah. Uh, make, the, make the great venues, mm, um, not the ones that are just set up to be the sort of the big party night out. It's the focus mm. on the comedy, and the stand do a very, very good job at that. Okay. So, yeah, I'd certainly make sure you get on the, uh, the, the 150 year waiting list to get a spot, <laughs> a, a spot on the stand.
2: By the time I get on it, I'll have a great set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, in your opinion, what is mainstream comedy, uh, as in like in its, it's most popular type of comedy, okay. and where do you think that's going to go in the next sort of five years?
0: I suppose the question is, what is mainstream these days? <laughs> um, is is there a mainstream an alternative? Um, a lot of the performers that would call themselves alternative comedians from ten, fifteen years ago, um, who've now got DVDs out and filling theatres, um, are they less alternative in the style of alternative comedy? Um, I don't think so, but would a lot of people call them mainstream because they're selling DVDs? Probably yes. So it's it's a bit of a difficult one. I think the way it's going this. There's a, a lot of ventures that are putting on slightly different shows in, in different venues, um, acts that have got again a unique voice or doing doing something completely different could possibly describe as sort of the new alternative. But it's, it's it's difficult. It's it's is it good or bad? Is it mainstream alternative? Is it popular? Unpopular? Mm. Um, yeah, it's difficult one to uh, to tie down, that one, actually. Okay. Hmm. We'll leave it at that. That's leave it at that, yeah. yeah, there you go. Leave
2: it as a sort of vague answer. A little vague <laughs> answer. But it's just as vague as yeah. anyone else is ever
0: going to be. You know what I mean? it's so hard to, to answer that. It's, it's hard to tell you. Know, so, some uh, of the yeah. great actors, like Milton Jones is a prime example, who, yeah. who rips it up at comedy clubs in his small rooms. Um,
1: he, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: Is, is alternative the right word to describe him yeah. he comes from what was the alternative comedy circuit mm. um, is mainstream the right word to describe him yeah. just because he's on TV shows now as well and there's DVDs out and filling up big theatres yeah do you do it by um, no what's what? What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's difficult mm. you know it's not go back to certainly when I started comedy sort of mid late 90s and back to when the circuit was starting late 70s early uh, 80s uh, you did have a a defined alternative of mainstream from the old style comedians that wore the frilly shirts and were telling the sexist and misogynist jokes um, compared to what was starting up at alternative cabaret and the comedy store and things like that there was a genuine difference there was more politics there was an attempt to be genuinely alternative and different Um, but that has now Grown over 20, 30 or more years um, into a huge array of style and style of comedy Mm -hmm. um, from people to the jokes, people to doing the intelligent material, people doing political material, people doing sort of wild and wacky stuff. I like act like Chris Lynham. uh, with the firework up the arse routine that he's he's quite famous for, um, all this, the sort of Malcolm Hardy stuff and things like that, through to again the, the the great gag writers and pun writers, Milton Jones I've already mentioned, the the Gary Delaneys and people like that that, that can write an absolute brilliant joke and write down to the bare bones of the material. It's there's so many different styles. It's it's hard now to say what is a traditional, what is a, what is a mainstream, or what is an alternative act because there's so many different people out there doing different things.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay. I'm, I'm so I want to slightly move back to the, ed- the Frenchman just because I have one more question mm-hmm. that I just thought of while you were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see more big names going to the Free Friends now than before? Because I know, uh, for example, I've done mm-hmm. I've done uh, I did a split show two three years ago, and then I've done I did an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh no, sorry whatever mm-hmm. now this year and I spoke to someone about you know what I'm going to do next year mm-hmm. and they are not a performer and they said oh so you're going to be doing a paid thing next year because you're moving forward and, mm-hmm. and I know performers wise we're all I feel like going in the reverse to that we're all sort of going free friends, we can make a profit we can make this work and mm-hmm. stuff like that whereas for some audiences they're like your progression is you do the split show you do the hour yourself then you do the paid hour then you do mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so mm-hmm. do you think it's going to go more performers going to free fringe or do you do you think they're going to continue on going to paid cause they, because of the perception of the audience how do you think it's going um, to
0: I, I think certainly the perception of the audience is like but the perception of performers certainly o- over the last couple of years it has started to go in reverse um, and we're getting bigger and bigger names wanting to come into free venues because they know they can make it work. Mm-hmm. They know they can get everything out of the fringe. Um, they could do it at a paid venue. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the fact that over the last few years with um, comedy award winners and nominees, um, the things that have been stopping the performers doing that is being told you, you can't win awards, you're, you're not going to get the press interests, you've got to do paid to be seen by people, you're not going to get the BBC and the Times going along to free venues, they're all going to hang around in the main venues, um, and it's the people with the interest, the financial interest, um, to keep those performers in the paid venues um, that, that want to make the performers stay there. They Performers can now see you don't have to we, the, the the reams of people that went to um, out to the Argyle Bar, which is a little f- distance out from everything, to go and see Liam Williams and Times and mm-hmm. Independent and sort of the the number of re- reviews for Louise Remeleon and people like that at the Counting House. Mm-hmm. You're you're getting the press in and you're getting the acts nominated for awards and you're seeing acts progress on to West End shows and touring around the world and the performers can see that and they can achieve everything. They could do it at a paid venue, and it's not costing them ten thousand pounds to do it. And that's predominantly a lot of the sort of the mid-range acts that are trying to break through. And we're starting to see more and more. I've, I've got five A4 sheets of email addresses of people that are already interested in next year. Um, and you're seeing people who are established comedians who've been doing the paid venues that want to come across to free. And I'm sure it's. Same position from the other free promoters as well. Um, People described the Counting House last year as people who have either been on TV, uh, that's the ballroom at the Counting House, as people who have either been on TV or are likely to be on TV. And it's that sort of calibre of acts that we're getting. We're people who've got some reasonably high profile interested next year. Um, Obviously, it takes a little bit of time to work out whether the the thinking about the show turns into actually doing a show. Um, But that's the sort of process over the next few months. Um, But certainly, we're we're seeing a, a movement from paid to free. Um, and acts are getting more willing to do it, and and are asking the question, why am I spending all this money on a a paid venue where I don't need it? Um, Transversely, other performers that need a higher set of tech, um, need to have a more theatrical background, will move across to pay, because that's one thing, in 99% of cases, that the free can't support is people who need um, rigging and scenery flown in and out and want to do big shows that um, need huge amounts of tech and things like that so it's it works hand in hand it's going to be it's going to be a sort of two-way street but certainly we're seeing a lot of bigger names now um, than we used to um, now that people can see they can achieve everything with a free show um, and that's been yeah sort of spiked over the last years in the last couple of years it should be interesting year this year to see who we get doing free shows across the board in edinburgh
2: oh yeah yeah definitely i mean do you do you think that's going to squeeze out new acts in a way because if there's a lot of if there's a big migration from a lot of paid venues to the free obviously there's only a limited number of shows and a limited number of space for everyone do you think that's going to cause like a certain number of sort of newer acts who don't have that kind of I say audience power bringing in numbers that's not even a word do you know what I mean suffering from
0: the same problem as I am yes, forgetting yes, English it's, it's
2: catching um, no but do you think that's going to cause a problem for like newer acts then to, 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 like, squeeze
0: I, I, I don't think so because a lot of the bigger names will obviously be going for the larger spaces mm. um, there's there's a lot of smaller rooms um, again across all the all the different free platforms that will only be suitable to newer acts. So there's, there's always going to be opportunities for the newer acts to be involved. We, we've specifically in um, the, the the two main large venues that we run, the Counting House and the Three Sisters, um, have got rooms that seat 25, 30, 40 people, as well as the rooms that seat 150. Um, so naturally you're going to be putting newer shows, more experimental shows, into the smaller rooms. I think, yes, there's probably a little bit more con- competition from the slots, but but equally, as you announced, free festival started last year, so you've got, you've you've got more and more free venues, mm-hmm. um, and I think all the various free strands are looking at more venues and looking at expanding and being more in, because because both acts and audiences seem to be coming from paid to free at the moment. So certainly at the moment, I don't think see, see it being a huge issue um, for new acts. But it's it's back to what I was saying before. It's it's getting that shit hot. Application yeah. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to to make me want to put the show on. It's not necessarily about being a a big name. It's about having a great idea for a show.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm sure there are mm-hmm. some big names that have pretty shit ideas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, um, comedy courses. Comedy you, courses. So, uh, yeah, you run one or that's right,
0: yes, Laughing Horse runs. He said, but I personally don't because that would be rubbish. <laughs> um, but yes, we've got uh, fantastic Jay Sodiger who who does a lot of yes. courses as well as a Jojo Sutherland up in Edinburgh and a few others.
2: Um, and what was the reason behind starting that?
0: Reason it was, we started up in Edinburgh. There was a lot. There's a lot of comedy courses that run over sort of six weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks, mm. um, which is a is a big commitment for people. So the the idea came up of doing a a shorter, more introductory course um, to essentially help get people up on stage for the first time. Or if you've been going for a, a short period of time, help you refine the material or, or edit down. So we, we do the two-day course over a weekend with a show at it, which is essentially a, a taster of, mm-hmm. of comedy. And, and I think there's sort of a bit of a kick up the backside to go, right, if you want to do it, get up on stage and do it. And that it's allowing people to commit to a, a smaller fee. We, we charge £99 rather than into the hundreds. that people can give it a go. It's not cost them a fortune if they it doesn't work out for them. Um, but it, for a lot of people, it gives them the taste of wanting to do stuff and mo- do more. Um, and I think over the course of a, a weekend, you can give people some extra tools to help them write material, help help edit. Um, where over a longer comedy course, you're, you're probably getting to, almost too much information if you're <laughs> really starting out and really new. Um, you, you can't teach people to be funny. You, you get a funny person, which you can give them the tools and help them to um, become funnier. Um, so I think that, that is a format. We saw sort of a gap as a slightly different format of a course, um, and it seems to work. We've had a few acts that seem to do quite well and are still hanging around the circuits <laughs> and... Uh doing okay out of it mm. um, and obviously like any other comedy course a lot of fallen by the wayside mm. or it's it's not been the sort of thing for them but it's, uh, it's offering person sort of it's, it's a small level of commitment to give the person that isn't confident enough to do it on their own or doesn't have the information about open mic nights and the industry and um, how they can refine what they want to talk about into material um, and all the various sort of rules of comedy and writing that there are out there to give, like I say, a bit of a kick up the backside to write. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Let's refine yeah. it. Get up on stage. See see what you feel like, and let's then and then go from there. Yeah, yeah. just give it a go. W- right.
2: Why did you pick Jay? out of interest. What uh,
0: we've worked with him for. Oh, many years. He's been doing gigs with us since the dawn of time. I think <laughs> essentially, he was he was certainly doing comedy a lot longer than we've been running comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he taught comedy courses beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a sort of, he's, he's got a lot of time for people. He's very he's good natured. He's a good listener, but he knows a lot about the circuit and how to write comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's lovely. He's somebody it? that I think lets performers. Have have their own voice in the course rather than pushing his own style of comedy on them, which I think is important because you don't want 10, 12 people coming out at the end of the weekend all being identical comedians. They've got to do their own thing. Um, so, yeah, we work with him well and we get good feedback all the time from him. Certainly, as long as he's not putting hands people's head and tell people to <laughs> fill in the forms, that uh, he's saying he's marvellous. <laughs> let's she hope not. Never no, I'm sure. We weren't <laughs> doing we work that, and we we work with a few other people. Jojo Sutherland up in Edinburgh a very similar style. Somebody lets people do it. Jojo does a lot of our courses during the fringe, and we do some stuff um, through the year up there as well. Um, and yet, a very similar similar style. Um, it's got time to listen to people and and time to help them develop and do what they want and to, you know. Is someone who's also, like Jay as well, will be around to give them a bit of advice a couple of months later if they drop an email and things like that.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's nice to have that mm-hmm. follow up, isn't it? Like that yes. Ability, that personality. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the theory that comedy, can't, that you can't be taught to be funny?
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I know, that's that sounds odd running comedy courses. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you, you've got to be someone who's got an idea of what's funny. The comedy courses can help you bring that out and you give you the tools to. Um, get get that out from you into, into the into the public domain but you've got to be someone who's, who's naturally funny or got an idea about what they want to do and what they to start with um, I don't think you can be someone who's never going to be up on stage and has got no idea about it it's very difficult to teach them <laughs> yeah. um, how to, to, to write a joke if, if they just don't know about it
2: Okay, cool um, You
0: run comedy competitions as well? Yes. Uh,
2: as like, well, again, not you. Um, <laughs> yeah, laughing horse. I, laughing horse. Yes. For, for, the, for all intents and purposes, you all, all intents purposes,
0: I am the laughing horse. You yes, are the, the laughing, laughing horse. horse.
2: <laughs> um, you've got two, as far as I know. You've got Brighton and the new act one. Is yeah, It's
0: down to one now, actually. Oh. Yes. No, it's out of we we ran one in Brighton, which was uh, the the Brighton one was a little bit more of a, a bit of a fun while we're down there for the festival okay. um, type competition. Um, And just through the the, the pressure of running everything down the festival, we don't do that. We we, we put open spots and new acts on as part of our festival shows down there, um, but don't run any nights in a sort of competition format anymore. So, yes, we concentrate on our uh, Laughing Horse new act of the year, um, which is now September through till we finish it this year. November last week. Or uh, yeah, last yeah. week yeah. look, you were in the final. You, should, you, you know better than me. Oh God. I don't remember the date. Um, that's it was it was yeah, thirtieth of November. That was it. This it, year, back end of November. For
2: me, it was all a blur. Like I, because I, I had week to week. Me too. To week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't remember that. I remember the final quite well. Okay. I remember, I remember yeah. The, the yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I always remember the final. I, I the final was the most enjoyable bit for me. Once he's up and running and mm. working, I can relax because I I deliberately and Kevin who runs Laughing halls with me mm. deliberately take a step back from the judging mm. and we've got a panel of judges mm. doing everything for us so one it's it's we're not influencing them so people sort of say oh it's our favourites yeah, or yeah. we're trying to change but also so we can just sit back and watch the show because we've been involved in judging heats along with the audience and other compares and promoters and things we got in mm. quite a lot This the semi-finals we make we've got quite a big input into the decision of who gets into the final. Mm. So it's nice for someone else to see the acts and come Fairly. up with their opinions and it's a bit of independence. So the the final for me is both both dreaded because of the set-up and getting it organised and things like that, but once it's up and running to let the compare get on with it, let the judges do the judging, and um, uh, I, the, the surprise, the minute the judges give me the bit of paper at the end where the name is on, that's a surprise for me as well as it is for the axe, yeah. almost at the same time.
2: I can imagine, yeah. Um, so in the initial rounds of, of mm-hmm. the horse, because obviously yeah. it's uh, audience vote for the first like first rounds until the end basically when the judges do. yes
0: the, the final is the only stage that we don't have audience uh, voting involved
2: so, so how influential are the votes because you can you override it if you think someone's bought like 50 friends for example yes we, we
0: keep a, a very close eye on on people who brought 50 friends um <laughs> we we essentially that it's the, the the first round is predominantly audience voting right. um the way we do it is we usually select depending on how many people in, somewhere between about six and ten judges that have got voting forms, Mm. Um, we do keep an eye and speak to them to say, are you with a particular act? Mm. Um, Quite often people are honest, quite often they're not. Um, (laughs) But as you're adding the scores up, you can very often see who has given 10 out of 10 to their friends and, and one to everybody else. Um, we do. We say to people, we know you're with an act. We we, we get, try and get it out of them and mark down which mm-hmm. act they're with and say, look, there's no point just marking your friend up and everyone else down because we're not going to take any notice of the voting yeah. form whatsoever. Try and be fair. We know you're along to support your friends, um, support them, you know, shouting and cheering and clapping, give them support, but try and be as fair as you can on the voting form. Mm-hmm. And 95 percent of the time the audience vote works out roughly to the top three that myself the compare or other people there um would pick as the top three as well um it all tends to average itself out um and there i say there are occasions when when you can clearly see somebody on a form has been utterly unfair to everybody apart from the person they've come with um and that form gets put away so we keep a close eye on it but it's essentially audience voting in the first uh, first round
2: so so you're more than happy to step in if like you think Someone's trying to play the system, as it were. Yes. Or, or, yes. So yeah, yeah. Would, would you say there's ever been? Uh, I don't want to say like a a title, because like also there's wild cards involved in it as well, yes. I believe.
0: Well that's it as well, it's another way where we'll put through, and it's changed slightly every year, so I, can't, I think we put the top <laughs> two through this year, right. uh, we, we changed format a little bit this year, so it's is, is a little bit different from the previous years, we changed the time of the year and we've, we've not done the quarter so we made it a right. little bit more small scale as an overall event, and it's worked a lot better for it. So you're going to um, carry on like that? And we're going to carry on like that, yeah, no, next year, may, maybe a little bit, a couple more heats to fit a few more people in, but mm-hmm. um, essentially next year we're planning on the same format um but yeah we usually we, we we always allow so we've got a space of a, a, a top two or a top three or whatever we put through on each show um and then there's space for best runners up that we think have missed out Um mm. uh, one of the best runners up which which was a, a best runner up we decided on um in in the heat and the semi-final this year uh was somebody who was put into the final um and did very well Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 good to know that uh, mine and the other promoters' judgments are <laughs> uh, are also there somewhere along the line as well.
2: <laughs> yes, it kind of helps to know that. Um, yeah. So
0: yeah, there's always a bit of flexibility. So we put we what what we want. The, the best acts, the funniest acts and it's it's a very subjective thing as to who is best mm. and who is funny so we want yeah. the opinions of lots of people because mm. there is so many different styles out there be it um, sketch comedy through to slapstick through to, again, man, man woman with, with microphone telling gags but even within that there's there's so many different styles of comedy so what, what I necessarily think is the funniest act is not what the person sitting next to me it's a mm. very subjective thing um, so we we want our opinions but that's why we want the audience's opinion as well because mm. they're going to like slightly different things that's why we get other promoters and people involved in at the semi-final stage mm. to give their opinions mm. so it's not just us
2: yeah, I mean, well, the the I mean, obviously, every system's got flaws and, and Oh yes, yes,
0: it's never never going to be a perfect system.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, because it could be that uh, the the like, so for example, we did a lot on this mm-hmm. void tap this year. Yeah. So it could be that the area and the people that go down to that and all that kind of stuff would lend itself to a certain type of performer or lend itself yes. to a certain style of comedy and stuff.
3: So-
0: yes, it's so difficult. There's there's. Um, uh, that they are um as as I think Kevin uh, one of the compares puts it, but it, it can potentially invidious things mm. um it, there's so many variables, a different a different time of the, a different spot on mm. the bill, a different night, a different audience, a different room there yeah. are there was there was one or two acts of the Savoy tap which which probably should have ended up going to the dog star for Heats because they were big sketch groups groups washed into a tiny stage yeah, yeah. um but these things are taken into account yeah. and we know there's, there's probably one or two absolutely brilliant acts that didn't make it through for for various reasons that that we we didn't see the act on the best night there's there's mm. there's some acts that have been going a little bit longer that that mm. haven't quite got the refined four five six minute set that they they used to and have probably progressed a little bit too far for the competition yeah, yeah. so many things so many variables um Ooh. a different time a different night it could be a different set of acts exactly
2: uh, i mean why specifically? Because I know at the heats it's four to five minutes, which is mm-hmm. roughly the standard spot for yeah. open mic. Why is it six minutes at the like final then? Uh,
0: just so we see the acts flesh their material out a little bit more. Okay. Um, I said it's four minutes at the heats um, so that we can get more acts on to see them. Um, mm. I think with, with four minutes of material, it also makes performers focus a little bit more because generally they're doing five minute sets. So it actually makes the performers stop and think about their material and what is the top four minutes, rather than let's trot out the same five I'm doing and, and yeah. forget there's bits that have got lulls in it and bits that don't quite work and things mm. like that. So we find that it lets us get a few more people on stage um, over the heats. Mm. Um, for the semi-finals, we have five minutes, which gives people a little bit more time to get the material back in, do their standard set. And so on and so forth, and then the six minutes just gives people just let's let's see who can do that little bit longer because we w- we want someone who uh, we can see there has got some longevity in the comedy circuit. Yeah. Um, has, has this person? Oh, has this person really only got four minutes? If they did they do brilliantly at four minutes, or so then five or six minutes? Oh my God, what have they done? <laughs> uh, yeah. Generally doesn't happen, but you know occasionally it does, and that's yeah. this is this is why again we do it in the stages. We, we even though it's new act competition is the wrong word. But there isn't a better word for it. Um, New people think, oh, this should be someone who's only been going for six months or whatever. We don't put a time limit on it. Some people are new acts for six or seven gigs, mm. and then they're professionals. Greg Davis is a great example of that. He won the competition mm. on gig number four and was essentially a headliner thereafter. Yeah. Um, other people have been going for two or three or four or a 100 years <laughs> and could still be called new app because they're still in the open mic circuit and still doing new app gigs. So, so how um, would
2: you define a new app then? Or, or is it not... It's, it's sort of
0: it's the definition is someone who's not progressed on to being a professional act. It's <laughs> it's, it's 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 difficult. It's trying to find yeah. other than saying it's a new act competition. It's mm. difficult. People that are still doing five minutes. People are still doing new act gigs. Mm. People are still doing open mic nights. That's that's a new act.
2: So it doesn't matter necessarily if you've going ten years if you're still sort of finding your feet and you're not getting paid all the time that kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: I mean, our rules is, is, is somebody we still class as a, a new act. Okay. Um, again, with the cat of new being completely the wrong word for things, um, and there's some acts that are probably again I'm, I'm sure there's, there's some that've been doing the competition for sort of five or six or seven years and, mm-hmm. and done a heat and enjoy doing comedy, and they've not progressed any further. There's some acts, generally acts, will do a get to a heat one year, then the next year will make a semi final or a final. There's some acts that've done it over three years to get to the final. That's as they're progressing through the circuit. There'll be some acts that over after a couple of years we they've picked up agents and. Um, started to do paid work for us for 20 minutes and we think, well, actually, they they have progressed too far now yeah. to be in a competition. So it's it's how long is a bit of string? It's one of those <laughs> awkward questions that's, uh, yeah. you um, can't really answer with a... a but yeah, we look a at each answers. act. As, as the act comes in, we know the acts are out in the circuit. We get their applications. We know what sort of gigs they're doing. We go, yeah, that's that's still a new act. That person isn't.
2: So, okay. So when it comes... To, so I'm just trying to think of the best way to <laughs> phrase this because um, I get what you mean by that. <laughs> if you... Let me let me come back to that because I can edit it around anyway, Okay. so it's fine. Um, you, well, the other question was going to. Excellent, got you stumped there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the only reason I was going to ask is because like, okay, so you have obviously um, a criteria for for who takes mm-hmm. part in the competition and stuff. Is it? I mean, is it a negative thing to take part in that competition then? Because if you see us in that competition, mm-hmm. you still see me, for example, I was in it um, mm-hmm. as someone who is not progressed enough at the moment to be doing headline spots for you, for example. Uh, um, even, I mean, do, you know what, do you know what I mean?
0: Can it yeah, be that's, that's, and, that's, that's essential. I mean, someone, if, if, you're, if you're in the competition, you're not going to be doing headline spots for us, but that's a <laughs> way for us to see you, to progress you onto that. Um, it's, it's, it really depends on how many times we see an act through the course of the year. There are, there are, I think, at least, out of London's nine million population, there's at least eight and a half million people doing comedy at the moment, <laughs> and it's so difficult to see everybody. Yeah. Um, it's impossible to see everybody, and I'm sure there's some acts that have started and stopped doing comedy, and we've not had the chance to yeah. see them. Equally, um, there's some acts that should have started and stopped doing comedy, and we have seen them far too many times. Um, but it's it's, no, it's names not, no names at all. No names. I'll off give you I'll name, give you the yeah. list off microphone. <laughs> give me an email again. Um, no, on, uh, no, 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 can't write it down an email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no other way. The amount uh, no, different ways to talk. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, it's it's. If it's, There's some acts that won't do the competition because they feel they have progressed far enough, right. and generally that, that's acts, even though we've not seen them, we'll see they've picked up an agent or started mm. to do 20-minute gigs, and we'll give them be it a 20-minute gig because we think that's an act that can do it, because we've, we've heard mm. they're, they're great acts, mm. um, or 10s or 15s, somewhere, a support slot to potentially move them on to paid work as mm. well. Um, so it's, it's, really down to, it's really down to the performer. Right, um, but its I don't think it's a bad thing if it's someone you don't know and if it's someone you're good enough it's, if if you feel you should still be doing a new act competition mm. and you fit into that, that little area which, which we would class as a new act then then certainly give it a go okay
2: and say for example uh, you got to the semi-final or even the final say mm-hmm. you, like, you got to the
0: final mm. how do you yes that's it you're banned now that's, <laughs> it, that's it you're in the final that's it oh god <laughs> it. yeah I know that's what I found out afterwards I was like oh crap I could have actually
2: oh man no um how how would you capitalize on that in terms of laughing horse progression then Mm -hmm. so for example me and a fair number of the other people who got to the final obviously didn't win but uh we got to the final so that's a useful thing to have In terms of your uh, booking policy, maybe, is there a way of capitalising on that as a useful...
0: For the people who are in the fight, it depends solely on the act. We've sat down and got copious notes over various rounds on people. We've (laughs) seen them in the final as well. I think certainly from the final this year and and probably most years, the the minimum these acts would then be offered would be various 10-minute spots so Mm. we can see them again. Out from the six minutes to longer, there'll be a lot yeah. of acts from the final um, that we'll probably put into paid spots and mm. support slots, 15, 20 twenty-minute slots to see them do a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, it's just emailing, it, yeah. so it's really yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting the email. It's so you're the you're you're on the radar now. So when we are. <laughs> booking support slots and, and other slots at venues then then the email will come out from us Right. Um, and also I think a lot of the bonus should be that then there'll be other people that are in the audience from various agencies and comedy clubs that'll also be contacting you to, mm. to come and do spots or if you email them mm. um, they'll go oh we saw that guy at the final we'll, we'll be able to put him on for a Again, a five, a ten, a fifteen, a twenty, or whatever they think suitable.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, I know a fair number of acts who have done mm-hmm. competitions this year. For example, Leicester Square at yeah. the same time mm-hmm. as yours, and a few people got to the end of that, uh, and a few other competitions mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's, it's it's sort of at the end of the mm-hmm. fa- at the end of a competition. Mm-hmm. If you didn't win, it kind of feels very mm-hmm. much like oh, you can you can go home now. We've got the win. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's sort of like how do you, without making it sound like. Prickish or humble, mm-hmm. break. do you know what I mean? Because you could easily walk around the whole time going, "I won that competition." Mm-hmm. But do you remember I? Or do you, or do you know what I mean? Yes. And it's it's finding the. I think
0: some people do that with being in a final of a competition as well. Be it minor or I was I was in a final. Them. I made it to a I made it to a heat. Yeah, just... yeah, 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 yeah.
2: There's there's a fair number of people mm-hmm. who've won stuff or got to the mm-hmm. end who have yeah. Drained it for all as yeah. well, and that's fine, but I, I, I the fact that, that
0: com- yeah. competitions aren't the be all and end all of things you no. people there are many many people that progress without never entering competition yes, yes. as people that will do get into the final of a competition if you're, if you're the type of act that can get to a final and it does lend itself to particular types mm-hmm. of acts that can last out a great five minutes <laughs> um it puts you on people's radars and yes. it can help whether whether you, you you were perceived perceived as one of the last spots in the competition or or the winner um mm. uh, you know we have a top 3 spaces and then we give the judges a uh open sort of field to make any special mentions mm-hmm. um so that gets people out there in the various reviews and things mm. that come out for the competition but there's a lot of people if you look look back at the list of previous finalists there was a lot of people in the runners up and though the, the acts have taken part of it and gone off to be just as successful, if not more successful than mm. than a winner or two yeah. Um, so it really depends on where you t- where you take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I just thought um, if you had any just, tips for people to
2: capitalize on stuff. It's, uh, you know, because I assume you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. want someone uh, to email you and go, uh, hey, I'd love to get a gig. I was in the final of the no. Leicester Square, you know. Yeah. You
0: probably, oh, no, you, you certainly you can, that, that helps. That puts oh, it on the radar. That? Yeah, I think people... Uh, you, you don't want a, a CV of everything that they've done in the in the <laughs> whole world, but I, I think as a promoter, if you get an email going, oh, I'm looking for an open spot. I'm looking for a ten minute spot. Mm. Um, I, I got to the final of the the Leicester Square. I got to the final of this. I was I was second in that. Mm. It certainly gives you an idea that that act has has done well. Okay. Um. Has, has been put around. If if you're in the final of Leicester Square, I'll probably have seen you've been in that anyway. Mm. And I, things like that. I'll, I'll so, a, so you, so you <laughs> think you're funny, I'll have seen that through either being a judge in somewhere along <laughs> the line of that or having seen the final up in Edinburgh. So you, you get a good idea of the acts that are out there and doing things. Um, sure. Jenny Collier this year, who'd, who'd been up and done, I'd, I'd seen been successful from So You Think You're mm. Funny, had done, a, done her first show um, with us, was already someone that sort of on the radar from us seeing her mm. in other places. Yeah. Um, before doing the competition with us this year, so it's uh, it's about just getting out there. And I think for new acts, it's getting out there, doing as many gigs as you can, getting in front of as many people as you can. Um, and it's it's a meritocracy the comedy circuit. If if you're uh, an act that does well, um, does material, or, or if someone, even if you're someone who doesn't do as well on the stage that time, but can analyse your gig as not being such a good gig, right? You can go on stage and improve it. Um, and people like that, it's it's a question some some acts brilliant after half a dozen mm. gigs um, some take a little bit longer yeah um, so you just got to, you've got you capitalise it on being out there t- telling people you've you've been in a competition you've you've done a festival show you've got reviews um, all sorts of things are going to help out but for most promoters it's that that email is about getting the foot in the door to get on their stage mm. um, the best thing you do in front of the is get up there and do a, a blinding 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes to mm. prove that you're a great act, and they'll book you back
2: yeah yeah I mean do you enjoy being a judge
0: I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> what,
3: why is it just... I think there's there's why a certain
0: element of no I I, I don't absolutely hate it. there's a certain amount of pressure particularly in a mm. final Um, where you have got to select that one act as the winner. We've got the get-outs in the the heats of our competition where we put enough acts through and there's enough extra spaces where you want to get the best acts through, but you've not got to make that final decision of that act is the best act. (laughs) Um, A little bit bit more uh, difficult in the semi-finals, and and, and our role is really we, we look at the winners' Um, which have gone through, and we've got some input into that. But then we decide who we think are the best runners up overall. So there's a bit more pressure. But you're still picking eight acts out of twenty or whatever it is. Yeah, to yeah. you've not got to make that final decision when you get to judging a final or something like that, or or even a heat where you've got to pick a winner. There's there's a lot of pressure to pick the right person. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm it's not my favourite job in the world. I like doing it. It's like getting out there, seeing the acts and, yeah. and things like that. But, but making that decision, and when you've also got five or six of you on a, on a panel with different ideas and, and yeah, things totally. like that it's, it's difficult to tie it down if you you just imagine that, again if there's a different five people in the room you probably would have ended up with a different act somewhere along the line it's so it's so totally. difficult yeah totally. but yeah there's a, there's a certain amount of pressure when you're coming up with a winner of anything <laughs> that have you made that right choice oh totally totally uh, when you know that a, a winner or a runner-up it, it can make a uh, a small or a big difference in a, in, in a career
2: yeah definitely definitely i mean you've got a lot of Mm-hmm. Stuff in your hands there, and it's probably quite daunting. I mean, yes. how how does Laughing Horse pick their judges then each year?
0: Um, we just try and have a sort of cross section of the of the comedy industry uh we we like to get a, a couple of agents a couple of bookers um usually a comedian or two um and just generally people that are involved with the comedy industry that know mm-hmm. comedy right. um but have a big mixture of male and female ages and things like that mm-hmm. so you you've got a, a perspective across the board from looking yeah. at it from from every angle um and then usually about sort of six or seven mm-hmm. um let's say industry people uh, comedy writers mm-hmm. journalists um promoters, promoters bookers yeah. agents
2: Okay. Um, Do you have any plans to create any new competitions?
0: No. Uh, No. One is enough.
2: (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I got that from the fact you (laughs) cancelled the other one. The follow-up question to that was, do you think there are too many new act competitions? But I'm guessing you don't really mind either way.
0: Um, No, I don't think there's the the, the comp- competitions the smaller competitions help people get on stage get in front of a particular promoter mm-hmm. uh, there there's of the of the major ones is now the BBC that's come back on the radio there's there's so you think you're funny mm-hmm. um, there's us and there's probably one or two I've, I've forgotten about now as well <laughs> uh, which are the ones a lot of people take notice of mm-hmm. but all the little ones help people get into the door with a the promoter yeah. um, there's so many acts out there more more promoters are running gong shows and competitions and that format of the show which which help get acts in front of them and the more acts they can get in front of them the better for the acts i think
2: Totally.
0: yeah okay not hit that red button i've not hit that red button, that red
2: button. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the biggest things you do obviously is booking gigs that's like the, the i'd say is that the mainstay for laughing horse
0: um i'd say i'd say after, after the festivals yes okay. the fest- festivals okay. is the biggest thing for us and, and booking gigs after that yes
2: okay if uh, this, is, this is a verbatim question so i presume uh-huh. it's someone who's actually tried to suss out whether they've uh-huh. done it wrong or whatever if I've emailed you in for a spot and I've not heard back, is it worth emailing you again, or does that annoy you?
0: Oh no, certainly worth another email. It's, it's if 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 it's the forty third email um, that gets annoying. <laughs> um, take yeah, the hint. Emails, uh, <laughs> yeah, take the hint. Um, but yeah, I I will. It's being realistic. We'll we'll put for support slots and open slots and ten minute slots. We'll put messages out on the various Facebook forums and mm-hmm. things like that, saying we need an act. Um, to come and do ten minutes down in Brighton, for example, mm-hmm. um, it's it's wanting acts to have the self-awareness that they are an act that can do 10 minutes of material we might have seen them doing open spots we've certainly seen or heard of them doing sort of similar level clubs that are able to do 10 minutes on a Saturday night in what is usually a fairly busy room um, what we don't what, what the emails that tend to go down the list and not be ignored but it's just so difficult to get back to 101 emails all the time are the people that haven't quite got to that stage so there'll be a but it's no reason to not email for something else. It's be realistic and email for if we're looking for open spots. Mm. Yes, go for it, email me email mm. me, let us know if we if we're emailing for ten minute slots. Mm. If you're an app that's been going for a a couple of hundred gigs, and mm. we've seen before a few times. It's the sort of act that will book then Then email for those ones. Yeah. If we're emailing out about a hundred and fifty quid, twenty-minute spot, then you'll, you'll be an act that we know already, and yeah. someone who's sort of progressed through the system. If we're booking for a five hundred pound, thousand pound headliner, you'll know you're <laughs> able for that spot. But there will be acts that the, the acts that become annoying are the ones that are people who. Are, well, I've done half a dozen gigs. I could headline that. <laughs> N- no, you couldn't. Um, and that's though, when you I start don't... thinking that's that's you, you've not got a realistic realistic point of view of where you are in the comedy circuit and that becomes more annoying but if if it's from open spot and you're the sort of at, do open spots yes email me again yeah. and again when it comes out because a lot of it comes down to again particularly with open spots is there is far too many open spots to fit into gigs to, mm. to see them. Yeah. Um, and similarly for ten minutes we run a lot less regular clubs than we used to. Mm. Um, so there is less stage time to do it. We we deal with a lot more one-offs and, and monthly bookings and sort of corporate bookings and things we're booking yeah. for other people than the regular comedy clubs. Okay. Which we used to run nearly every night of the week of a more sort of open mic level. Mm. Um, so yes, by all means keep emailing me, but but don't <laughs> don't uh, don't ask for the five hundred quid gigs if you're uh, <laughs> if you're someone on their third gig.
2: Yeah. No know the difference between going on last at an open mic and headlining yes. an actual gig yes that's <laughs> yeah. right yes is that fair enough i think that's
0: fair enough yes. <laughs>
2: um if i mean if a comic uh repeatedly asks you for a gig despite not getting like a positive reply from you not even just a reply just mm-hmm. you sort of rejecting it is mm-hmm. it i mean would you say outright to someone we won't because uh, for example uh, when we were talking to hills uh in mm-hmm. the previous interview she said she knows that for example uh the comedy store don't book character acts Mm-hmm. So is there ever, is there like a type of act you won't book?
0: No, i book any, any type of act, particularly okay. for open spots. But as I say, I, I, my, I like to book a comedy show where every act is, is different from the previous one and the next one. Mm. Um, so I'm happy with every style and genre of act to, to get in contact. As long as they're funny. As long as they're funny, yeah, that, that always helps.
2: Yeah, but so, uh, well, yeah. So basically, if they haven't got a positive reply from you, if they've said no, don't take yeah. it personally. Don't don't take
0: it personally because quite often it, it is dealing with the volume of emails. I I try on a lot of occasions to get back to people. Um, a lot of times I'll be booking for a, a, a run of sort of new act gigs or sort of support ten minute spot type gigs, sort of booking every week for mm. um, six months. In which case, most people I can get back to, or, or tell them unfortunately we've, we've not got the space or yes. the dates you want don't work out. But sometimes it's purely just due to the volume of emails mm. um, and the amount of hours there is in the day that it's not always possible to get back to everyone. So yeah, don't, it's don't be sort of disheartened, it's not a case of ignoring it, Un- unless you've emailed for that £500 <laughs> slot when you, when that starts to think, that oh, that's that's an yes. app that's going into the waste <laughs> basket every time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, how do you, this is more of a, a promotional question than a, mm-hmm. a of question, but how do you turn, basically this person seems to have a, a regular night that's running mm-hmm. every four to six weeks, yeah. and they'd like to turn it into a weekly one. Do you have any advice for the difference between running maybe a monthly gig to a weekly gig, and... How long does it take to sort of build an audience for that, or a branding for that? Or
0: I, I think if you if you're doing your monthly gig and you're turning people away, that's the time to think about twice a month or weekly. Right. I, I think people, if they're particularly outside the West End, where you, West End you've got a lot more of a transient audience, you're looking at tourists, particularly a lot, a lot of the gigs we tend to run are slightly out of London, where it is a regular audience coming. If you can build up a regular audience, people will go out to comedy once a month. If they like your club, it's a, it's a good night, they want to go out and they'll see it regularly. But no matter how much you do, they're not going to go out to comedy every week. People, people have got a lot of, a lot of things pressing on their wallets these days they're not going to go out all the time so if if your room seats 100 and you're getting in 100 people every single month and turning people away that's the time to start thinking about doing it twice a month Mm. and then step up gradually because you're going to have to find an extra audience and and every night that runs has to you have to do a lot of promotion for it you have to Mm. fly you have to post it you have to do all the social media stuff and everything you know it's a lot of hard work to run a gig um, the best thing you can do in the gig is putting on a really good bill, People are going to come back for it. But it's mm-hmm. getting it. if you if you think right over the course of the month, there's going to be two, three, four hundred regulars. Yes, go for it. Make mm-hmm. it make it a weekly club. Mm-hmm. But yeah, gentle steps. It's better to have a a full room once a month than a, a quarter full room uh, once once a week.
2: Okay, great advice. Mm-hmm. When uh, when you get recommended an act mm-hmm. to look up, you haven't seen them before. Yep. But one of your friends or colleagues or promoters, whatever, mm-hmm. has said, "Gotta check this guy out." when you oh God, when you search for it all them online yeah. right what is the minimum you're kind of looking for in terms of a web presence? Are you looking for videos? Are you looking for like reviews that they've had? Or what's yeah. kind of.
0: V- video tends to be the best thing. Um, and again, if, if it's someone looking for a, a 20 minute spot, I, I would prefer an uninterrupted 20 minute yeah. video um, because all those 20 minute sets can be hacked down to five minutes of brilliant material. Um, but yeah, it's, it's seeing some stuff on video. You get an idea of a style of comedian from video. I'd, yeah, reviews are helpful and things, but I really want to see an act. I really want to see an act live. Um, right. But the second best of that, because it's, it's not possible all the time, is to see mm. some videos. So if you're someone... And again, for an open spot, if it's someone we're not seen, we don't necessarily need video. We're just happy to... We'll put somebody on for a slot, and we'll get the feedback from that of how well it went. Right. Um, but, yeah, someone looking for 10-minute spots that we've, we've never seen before or someone that's been recommended, then we'll get on YouTube and see what's out there, Facebook and video and things like that, and try and see what they're actually doing on stage. But it's nice to see an unedited set... Uh, Rather than the greatest hits, um, edited down to two minutes.
2: Okay, no, because I mean, a fair number of comedians I've spoken to recently have had, should we say, I don't say objections, but they've had (laughs) reservations about putting material online, just because, uh, you know, if, for example, you saw a video online of me doing Uh ten minutes, Mm -hmm. and then you book me. Are you booking me to do that 10 minutes? Are you booking me because you think I can do 10 minutes and you want it something mm-hmm. different because you've seen that 10 minutes? What's the... What no, d- if, it,
0: if someone I've never seen seen before, I want you to get up on stage and do your best 10 minutes or 5 okay. minutes or 15. Um, you know, act should do the same 10 minutes and change the odd bit of material within that to start building up a longer set. So right. it's a, it, seeing the video is, is an idea to mm. see how good the set is. It doesn't have to necessarily be exactly that 10 minutes, but... Uh, you, you can tell if an axe uh, does well or doesn't do well from video um, and that gives, gives you an idea that they're going to do well at the club um, sure. then if they get up on stage and do the same 10 minutes and it's brilliant that's fantastic they do a different 10 minutes and it's brilliant it's fantastic they get up and do 10 minutes and die in their arse that's where problems start
2: <laughs> so if for example uh, you so say I sent you a link to a video mm-hmm. from two years ago right uh-huh. material I don't do anymore Yeah. and then I come down and I do material that's mm-hmm. new but not the stuff you saw mm-hmm it Goes well, you're fine. Yeah, if it goes badly, do you trust the fact that I'm doing like working towards that because you've seen yeah. better? I say, if, if if
0: someone sent a video that's two years ago, you realize um, that set will have moved on and progressed over the course of the two years, mm-hmm. um, so you take that into consideration. Right. I think it's so easy to record sets and, and material these days and, and put something up be it on YouTube or being putting up somewhere if you don't want everybody in the world to see it on a yep. uh, on a samfold sharing. Platform that people can get a password and download the video. Um, you know, every single phone is a video recorder these days. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got a video that's two years out of date, do a new video. Yeah. Um, when we book a lot of the corporate gigs, um, most people are, are wanting to see a video of the comedians we're booking, and these are professional 20 30 minute headlining acts mm. that have got videos that are three or four years out of date. Right. Um, and that, that doesn't help them. Mm. Um, get that gig because you want them to be doing the material every act no matter how good they have progressed over a course of a couple of years and particularly for newer acts can progress over the course of a few months six months
2: so how new do you want that video like in the last Um, six months a year in in
0: ideally over the last year I'd say but it's one of those things if if acts can keep recording the video and also what I find a lot less particularly than new acts is if performers do seem to record themselves less these days uh, when you're sitting in a new act night um, certainly remembering back for many years everyone would have various dictaphones and recording mm-hmm. devices so that when they go home they can play it back yeah. um, listen to the set and work out which bits were laughed at which weren't and <laughs> change their set around accordingly I certainly spot that a lot less these days through the competition where um, I think acts should be recording themselves for their own feedback as well and if as part of that process they go oh this was a cracking gig that was five minutes I did at whatever club Mm. excellent we'll get that edited and pop that up on YouTube then people can see it
2: so you would you ever want an audio recording sent for or just video?
0: Um, I prefer video because, right. again, you see what they look like on stage. Mm. You know, you see an act that's confident on the stage and walking around the stage and, mm. you know, you always get the, the look of a comedian. Um, so video, but certainly audio recording is good as well.
2: Yeah, it doesn't have to yeah. be like a highest quality video. No, no, it's just, just, just
0: something video. that you can see. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone can, you know, record low res stuff on yeah. their phones, high res. It doesn't have to be a professional yeah. video. It's just so you get an idea of what the act's like. Yeah. Um, and I say that tends to be for acts doing sort of ten minutes or longer that I've I've not seen before. That there'll be a lot of acts through the semi-finals and the final of the competition that I make copious notes on all the voting forms, mm. uh, which some point later I have to decipher. Um, but I'll be making a note of that's an act that I'd book for a ten minute spot from what I've seen from that four minutes or five minutes or six minutes. Yeah, yeah totally. nightways. Um, you, you you can you can tell if an act should be able to do a ten minute spot from a shortish video. Mm. Do you I ever think.
2: spend time on like say if they've got a facebook page or a twitter following or anything do you ever like browse through their their, their jokes or, or like updates or anything no generally not no, no
0: no it's 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 seeing a comedian for me okay
2: yeah and as for website and stuff um like some some promoters I know they like to check the, the you know their listings to see like if mm-hmm. they're uh, you know, doing other clubs like competitors' mm. clubs or like how long they're doing at different places. Yeah, no,
0: I'll check that as well. How or much uh, pop. I'm not I, 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 not a huge matter, I just sit there if it's someone sort of looking long. If I've seen a video and it sounds good, I'll have a check on Chortle and put their name in and mm. see what clubs they're booked for, or right. see if they've got a website and see what gigs and listings are up there and uh, whatever. And it's getting see if it's, it's a sort of fastidious act that's that's promoted themselves well. If they if their gig listings two years out of date. <laughs> Um, it's it's it, that's not the information you want. You want to yeah. see what they're doing and, and where they're going and, and it's it's back to acts being realistic about the gigs they do because you can soon find out if an act is doing open mic gigs and things like that and not doing professional clubs and vice versa.
2: What what if they? I mean, because for example, for me, I tend to try and do. Well I don't try and mm-hmm. do. It tends to balance out mm-hmm. that I do maybe three to four gigs a week at the moment mm-hmm. that are sort of open mics where they give yeah. me a little bit of extra time because I'm trying to try something new mm-hmm. for my show or whatever. Yeah. And then I try and do open spots for clubs at the rest of the time, maybe one or two a week. Yeah. Ma- maybe slightly less than that depending on the month or whatever yeah. because obviously they don't have enough spots for everyone or whatever. Um is it, does it look negatively if I'm gigging but I'm doing it in open spots? Now, no no it? I
0: doesn't think that looks if, if you've if, again you look down the list and see you've got a comedy store or a, a bear cat or something like that you're doing right. a, an open spot of a, a glee or mm. up at the stand along with a load of other gigs then mm. then clearly you're getting good gigs or being booked back or you've got a gig mm. that says I'm doing this club I'm doing 20 minutes headline spot I'm doing this club I'm doing five minutes of new material mm. uh, you you want an act that's out there and gigging all the time particularly when yeah. booking the 10 minute spots because mm. It's, it's getting stage time is yeah. such a huge percentage of it and trying material out and throwing a gag out and trying a new one to, to build up the set. Being gig ready, uh, Rather yeah. it looks like somebody who's, who's done one gig in the last six months. Yeah. Uh, and you think, are they going yeah, to... Gig ready. That's a, that's, yeah. that's a good way of being Are they gig ready? Okay. Ma- match fit for the... Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Uh, you can get rusty quite easily. Yes.
0: This is why I think going back to the festivals is so good for any performer because be it from open spots of visiting or people doing shows you can get up there and do 100 gigs mm. 150 if you're really feeling energetic <laughs> um, over the course of a month Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what you want acts to be out there and trying it and mm. going up to Edinburgh wherever you are at the beginning of the month you've always progressed whether you're an open spot going up for the first time picking up gigs or you're a headline act you've always learned, you've always progressed and that's what the festival should be about and that's what the circuit should be out about as well um, people like Jimmy Carr when they're starting. I think he did about 400 gigs or something ridiculous <laughs> in his first year. But it's it's being a talented comedian, having a good ideas about comedy, and just getting out there and getting the material out there. Mm.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, don't, so
0: don't hit that red button. Yes, no, it's,
2: it's always the red button. <laughs> um, the uh, for getting gigs at Laughing Horse. Yes. What is the best way of a finding out about your mm-hmm. gigs that you've got going, and b applying for them?
0: Uh, generally, send us an email. Okay. That's nice to have a look on the website, see what we've got going, sort of various new act nights, otherwise drop an email to find out what's going on and then just keep an eye on the website for seeing when competitions are coming up and festivals are coming up. We'll be booking for, for gigs at Brighton, gigs in Edinburgh at various points through the year. Brighton tends to be about March for booking spots down there through that month. Edinburgh we tend to start booking in June, middle of June. Um, competition tends to start booking now, oh, back end of July for the heat start in September. Um, and then for the rest of the year, just, just have a look what we got. Drop an email or or keep an eye on the the various Facebook forums for, for comedy. company. We usually put a message up there to say we're booking for for gig X or gig Y.
2: Do you ever so you don't have like a dedicated there's, there's, page or like... no
0: no there isn't no no there's not a sort of a particular time we book for anything because gigs tend to come in and go various things. We'll, at Brighton, for example, our season tends to be run from October through to April, right. so a lot of the booking for the ha- happens for that in in uh, sort of September time, early September time. But then there'll be residual spots we end up booking when people uh, drop out of gigs <laughs> at the last minute and so on and so forth.
2: Is that is that more club stuff then down in Brighton? Because you said you do a lot of corporate stuff. What's the yeah?
0: S- we do at the moment. We've got uh, we we do regular a regular West End one at the Savoy Tuck, which will be coming back in the new year. That's that's a weekly thing. Um, And that has a mixture of fives and and tens and closes. Uh, we do a regular comedy club in Brighton each week on the Saturday and that will have a, a couple of 10 minute support slots in there uh, we have various other nights that will sort of be one offs that will book sort of new acts and support acts as well as the headliners mm-hmm. um, and then it tends to be um, the competitions and the festivals for, for booking new acts, the uh, these are sort of the bigger the corporate ones, the ones we're sort of being paid to supply acts for tend to be mm-hmm. um, sort of th- three paid acts and a compare, um, occasionally they'll have a couple of 10 minute support acts that are coming down with, with expenses um, mm-hmm. or getting paid a little bit Money or, or doing it for, for free for us to see them a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it really, it really varies from gig to gig. It's such a big big gap from one yeah. one end of the spectrum to the other. Oh, definitely. definitely. And it's uh, it's really sort of almost what has come in over the last uh, month or so to what ends up being booked.
2: Yeah. Um, do you have any tips? is again, another promoting one, but mm-hmm. do you have any tips for someone who wants to start their own club? Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. It's <laughs> <as> hell. <laughs> yeah, don't do
0: it. You're silly, my audience. Um, no, it's, but if you you must want to promote a club okay um i think mistake a lot of acts will make is they they're running an act be, they're running a club because they want stage time which is all well and good but you've got to want to run a club um and you've got to be prepared to put the time and effort into running the club there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of work involved in promoting, in advertising, um, in booking acts, in, in dealing with the, the acts that drop out and things that change at the last minute, make, making a room, getting a good room. Mm. Um, you've got to really want to run a club. Mm. Um, and if you do, go for it. Mm.
2: Okay. And how do you make money from free gigs?
0: Uh, well, as I say, really, it's, it's predominantly only in Edinburgh uh, that okay. we do the free gigs. Um, did I think a lot to, of,
2: used to run lots of free gigs in London.
0: Like no, no, we never did. No, all all our gigs in London have always been paid for. Really? Okay. Um, yes. Okay. No, it's only in Edinburgh we've done free stuff, and then obviously there's the the, the good old bucket collection, okay. um, which says, "Well, we we yeah, all our show other shows have, have been paid ones. Okay. In London and everywhere else. So, uh, I I found we we've we've done the odd free gig where people have given us a budget to run okay. a show and it's been a free gig but that's been very sort of rare so we've never not really got any experience of running the free gigs and all, but I imagine it must be a, a similar to the festivals where people are collecting and donations mm. at the end uh, although I imagine it must be a little bit more difficult because people aren't as aware of a, a volume of the free shows mm. um, so yeah, no, yeah not one I can really help with unfortunately no. No, that's
2: fine that's fine um, realistically how often are you likely to book an act per year
0: um, somebody. I th- I think if it's a, if it's a someone who's doing open spots and a new act, um, someone we've not seen before, it'll probably be once or twice over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is dependent on them just. Getting there at the right time and the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, every every new act we can put on the competition, we will. So that'll be at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, really gets down to the space and the amount of stage time that we've got. Um, if it's someone who we like and is doing good tens, there'll be a, it could be a mixture of five, six, seven times over the over the course of the year. Some some paid slots, some some unpaid slots. Mm-hmm. Um, to to closes, which again could be five or six times a year, could be someone sort of once a year. Right. Um, if it's someone we like that's doing festival shows with us, that'll be someone sort of booked in to, to compare every night for twenty five <laughs> nights. So it's it's really is variable. Okay. You know, there's there's a lot of work out there, it's just being the right acts at the right time as as people become better acts and higher up the scheme, they also, also then be obviously become less available to us to book yes. as well. Um, so it works both ways. There's actually we'd love to put into more gigs, but they're very busy doing other mm-hmm. other gigs because they're they're doing great on the comedy circuit. Yeah, it massively depends but, on what
2: you can offer you as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. As again, there, there'll be some acts that, that that are happy to come down and do a a smaller gig and get paid sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred pounds to close. Mm-hmm. Um, but other acts that that can't do that because they're getting paid a lot more. That oh, we'll be seeing them at the bigger paid gigs that we mm-hmm. do. Um, equally, there's a lot of uh, a larger actors, particularly the competition as well, that would like to come down and try some new material out. So we mm. try and fit a few of those in at competition heats at the end mm. of a half to come down and uh, yeah. get some new material out so they, they know they can come and uh, practice, practice five, ten, or do a ten-minute set and do a five minutes of new material in there in, in front of a nice audience to, yeah. to get that out for uh, whatever gigs they've got coming up.
2: Yeah, also keeps the rhythm of the night going. It does, yeah. A bit. yeah, yeah. Um, what, what is the actual difference between Laughing Horse and Comedy Point?
0: Uh, well, comedy point, um, which is, is really with laughing horse and comedy comedy point, is really focused on booking some of the larger gigs, and that's what myself and Lewis have run together. Um, that's gone now in a bit of a transition phase where Lewis is starting to book a lot more of his own gigs, and we're booking a lot more of them under Laughing Horse. It was which sort of three or four years of trying to build up this separate thing, but it, it, it did struggle to get its own identity um, from Laughing Horse. So there's yeah, there's a few a few changes happening over that. Uh, I'm still working with Lewis on a lot of things of festival stuff and, and booking gigs under Laughing Horse and Lewis has um, now got his own banner for booking his own gigs, which I can't remember what it is. Google, Google again.
2: Google again, okay. Um, how many uh, gigs does Laughing Horse actually run?
0: Regular gigs, only a, a couple a week. Interesting, okay. Um, but then month, monthly gigs, we've got a few, and then all the one-offs tend to... to, to build that up to sort of monthly gigs and quarterly gigs and things so that tends to, tends to sort of bang up to another one or two on average a, a month or week.
2: So you'd say you're more interested in the festivals? It
0: tends to be the, the festivals is the biggest part of it now. Right. Yeah, we, I mean we t- in terms of the year we, 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 we're taking acts and producing them at festivals. Um, it's nice, there's a lot of acts now which we're taking out to Australia in festivals or putting, being put on in bigger rooms in Edinburgh that we've seen come right the way through from the open mic spots they've done with us 10 years ago through to 10s and 15s to headlining gigs, to doing their first show um, to now getting on a plane and coming out to Perth and Adelaide with us next year right. um, so that's the, I like to see that progression right the way through and we, we like to try and find find the acts that we, we like and we get on well with it at a good acts and try and help them progress through the circuit um, from, from one, end to the, went one end to the other.
2: So would you put yourself more in a producer role now than a producer? I, I think, yeah,
0: it's, I, it's, it's moved over. Over the last three or four years, it's moved over more to a producer of shows at festivals, a promoter of festival shows than the running comedy clubs okay. um, that, that sort of wound itself back a little bit over the last few years.
2: So, what exactly is your role as a producer? Then, do you like get involved in the construction of the show, or are you more the promotional? St- like,
0: it's more on the promotional side. It's it's acts we know and we've seen a show or are putting a show together where we we can talk to them about the, the the right type of show to take to a specific festival. But most of the time, it's an act who's got a show that we like. We like the act. Um and then we can take them to a festival and put that show on It's a it's a show with a concept we think think works or works well that we'd like to work with. Um so we'll go in and, and on top of that we'll have our own shows, the Laughing Halls, Pick of the Fringe style shows, mm-hmm. which we do at all the festivals. So it's directing and producing that and putting it into a venue and through that still being the promoter and the booker and everything like that, producing mm-hmm. shows where you're helping acts. Every festival has got its own slightly different way of doing media and press and mm. getting people and bums on seats and ways to promote things. Every every festival is completely different from a of uh, the other one in terms of how it sort of works and then mm. slightly different in terms of the best way of getting people in. So it's helping performers with that and producing the shows from that side of things to to get them out there and hopefully hopefully have a successful run at a, a festival. Um, and then it's more particularly Brighton and Edinburgh, it is the promoting and producing and, and running venues mm-hmm. where we're kicking out venues and, and putting things on and, and promoting and running a, a sort of a small festival, a subset of a main festival overall.
2: Right. So you, would? You, I mean... I was going say that's probably... Everything but PR, basically, is what you... What
0: yeah, we don't tend to do the PR side of things. Okay. I mean, again, it's, it's from a... It's knowing the right people, so we email, we've got contact with the press and things like that, so we do yeah. sort of a low level of PR, but we're not really a PR PR company. Uh, you know, we know the right people to send press releases out to and talk to in Edinburgh and uh, whose arms can be twisted to maybe come along and review a show. Right. Um, but predomin- that's, that's not really what we do, no.
2: Okay, because cause I know you also run a management arm of Laughing Horse, is that right? No, we
0: don't, no. Because no, I no. you managed acts. No, we don't manage acts, no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I was under
2: the impression you did. That's, that's
0: got rid of we, the we, entire we, section. That's got rid of the entire section. Now, we, we t- talked about it, but it's not an area really wanted to go into. Okay um it's one of those if if the right person came along to run a management company with us mm. then it'd be something we looked at but it's not an area that really interests me in terms of that that's, that's another big wadge of admin and sitting at a computer and organizing diaries and things mm. like that where i like to be out running comedy shows and being at comedy venues okay um so it's, it's a difficult area there's, there's a lot of acts act management companies and things out there and it seems like we've skirted the idea and uh, um there's been the odd act that we've helped get the odd gig or two and sort of informally. Um but yeah, never never run anything sort of management wise and, and I can't see that happening in the in the sort of short term or okay. probably even long term, to be honest. Cool.
2: Um one last sorry, I put this in the wrong section, stupidly enough. Um back last, to Edinburgh again. It's Edinburgh again. <laughs> Everyone wants to know about Edinburgh, but then
3: that is your that is
0: your mainstay, That That's I mean that's the bit the where it puts has put Laughing Horse a lot on the map and everything else has led off from Edinburgh. It is the first sort of main festival that we did mm. um and then all the other festivals have come off the back of that it's where uh, you know my background is working in it before doing really? all this comedy nonsense okay um so it's where i've learned to run festival venues and, and do festival shows and um likewise running comedy clubs Sort of learned and picked it up over the course of a number of years okay. um so yeah edinburgh is the biggest bit of the year for many many reasons
2: so how would you describe your your position in this in the industry then so you you would say you're a promoter producer you can be more than one
0: i would say more oh that's difficult i'd say more promoter Um, certainly in in terms of the uk side of things more of a promoter because we're running venues we're putting on shows we do a lot less producing of specific shows Mm. um although we obviously produce our own stuff up in edinburgh whereas the stuff we take out to australia um, it tends to be an, an element of being a promoter of running venues, but a lot more in producing shows right. of our own and taking acts out there as well. Yeah. So it's a big mixture of big mixture of both.
2: Well, when when I um, I started like four years mm-hmm. ago, so when I started, I, I thought Laughing Horse was more show, like gig club sets, and like you know putting together clubs. Yeah, I
0: think it probably was four years yeah. ago, maybe four or five years ago, but it's progressed on from there as the festival was taken off. Yeah, I think probably. Um, it, it 2007 was the sort of when i went full time running comedy venues and we were running a lot of venues and only doing edinburgh then okay and in that period over the last 7 years it has progressed to going out to Australia to essentially I had a redundancy check that I said well I've got some money I'm going to go out to Australia because everyone has been talking about these festivals and I've got some money now I'm going to go out to Australia (laughs) see some sunshine in February and that's what made me after we were doing Edinburgh and Brighton think that the festivals out there were a viable option to Mm -hmm. do as well so that's gradually progressed over a few years um, and things have have gradually changed, probably over the last seven years, in terms of the switch away from running comedy clubs to producing festival shows and promoting festival venues.
2: When, when did you set up Laughing Horse? If two thousand seven was when you went
0: full time, nineteen ninety nine. Wow, so, so it took, many many years ago. So it took you eight years to go full time. Yes, yes. I think I I probably it's it's one of those things. It's the inertia of having a day job, uh, yes. uh, of of not wanting to make that leap away from it. Right. Um, and I think if I'd, I'd had the confidence to do it, maybe a couple of years earlier, I mm. could have done. Okay. Um, but much like we were talking about the comedy courses, giving people a kick up the arse to get on stage, <laughs> it, it, it was getting redundancy from the day job that gave me the kick up the arse to go, right, let's give this a go. Yes, I'm gonna, um, yeah. And it seems to be from my meandering round and giving it a go for the last seven years, it's still working at the moment. Oh, so yeah. so fingers crossed, it's doing <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. Um the one last question is the one that I forgot to put in the in the Edinburgh <laughs> section. Um, so, is um, when you split from Peter Buckley Hill, essentially, mm-hmm. or when you guys went your separate yes. ways, um, how ethically were, were were the setups like separate? Like, did you did you work together to sort of help each other out to set up, or was it like uh, in terms of did you just split the venues down the middle, or what was the the route that that took?
0: Right, well, right. So sp- splitting up there is. We got to a stage after two, three years, whatever it was, where we we felt like ethically or in terms of how to run things, we we were different from what Peter was doing. Um, So we went to Peter and said, look, it's not working out. Um, It's better for both of us, I think, that we go our separate ways. Mm. Um, At that stage, we had four venues, and we said, well, look, we're going to get to that. We'll speak to venues um, and see if they want to work with us you can obviously speak to venues see if they want to work with you and then obviously go our separate ways from there my mm. my thoughts at that time was, was hopefully that there would be two people working slightly different ways um, to get to the same means and maybe having a, a, an overall banner of I run venues. He run venues. At some point, I always envisioned other people yeah. would end up running venues, and then keeping the thing under the under the same banner. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we, we went off and did our thing, and, and Peter made up his mind that uh, uh, that wasn't what he wanted to do, to say the least. Right. Um, and, and then, such as a sort of split from there, uh, carried on.
2: Okay. Cool. Um- I'm going to end it on this one just because I don't want it to end on <laughs> that kind of note do you know what I mean uh-huh. uh, if you could give one bit of advice to any performer like a sketch mm-hmm. comedy whatever who mm-hmm. want to put together a show and get Laughing Horse to help represent it or mm-hmm. promote it mm-hmm. what would you say
0: oh that's a difficult one <laughs> um, that's another one of those sort of uh, bits of string yeah. uh, questions um, I would say, just make it's much like answered a lot of the questions about Edinburgh and things before just make it a good and original show and I think yeah, it's re- if that's really repeating a lot of the why, well, why no, do you I, want to go to Edinburgh things. Isn't what,
2: it? what I meant was, is, so say, 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 someone, say Comedian A or Sketch Group A or whatever puts on, makes a show mm-hmm. and they want you to help promote it to Adelaide or, or Melbourne. Okay, or yeah. so like, that's what I mean. I don't mean uh, the Edinburgh stuff necessarily. So okay, I, no, I got you. I mean yeah, so taking it on from an Edinburgh show. Yes.
0: So yeah, yeah, got yeah. Um i hate to come to us and have a chat about it. Okay. Um, we're we're going to see a, something in a performer or a show. Um, that we like and, mm. and want to put on and produce, mm. um, we're going to know what works well at different festivals. Right. Um, so it's it's a difficult question to ask because it's it's knowing what acts will work well at a specific festival, be it Brighton, mm-hmm. be it Adelaide or Perth, Melbourne, and mm. every other festival in between, or be it coming back to Edinburgh for another year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, come and have a chat with us. Don't don't be afraid to sort of come up and go. Look, I'm thinking of coming out to Adelaide. Um, you know, how do I do it? We'll sit down, and have a chat, and tell people how. The whole mm-hmm. method of getting out to a particular festival is quite happy to help out with people. Mm-hmm. And some people will end up going out to a festival a- in another venue mm-hmm. that we've given them the idea of going to. That. It'll be someone, or it could be someone we want. Get, that's a great show um, we want in our venue. Or it'll be a show that we want to produce as well. I, I limit it to a, a, a maximum. I don't want to sort of produce a 100 shows yeah. at festivals because you couldn't give your time um, to help every single one. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll end up producing myself. Um, two or three shows outside of, of other performers outside of the shows I run myself um, but other shows we'll, say that we'll like the show come and do it in the venue and we'll still give people help um, with coming out to a festival if they're on in one of our venues or we'll say that we've, we've got limited space we've got, we've got one venue which has got two performance spaces it's not like Edinburgh where we've got 22 venues and a gazillion performance spaces um, but these are the people you should speak to out there we, these are the people we know that run good venues and these are the places you should be um, and help them out like that. So it's not a sort of yes or no sort of yeah. thing. Um, if we think you know they're a good act and we want to help them, it's someone who's mm-hmm. done done the free festival or done the Brighton Fringe with us, and mm-hmm. um, we want we we will help them as much as we can. Cool. Okay. Well, Thank okay. you
2: very much for coming on. That was amazing. Um- that was Alex Petty. Uh, I just want to thank him for uh, coming on the show. He was overly lovely with his time. Uh, we talked for about three hours about comedy and the industry. Well, everything you just listened to, really and uh, it was really nice to just have some time with him. I hope you all enjoyed that. Coming next, we've got... Um, I'm not sure which episode's gonna be out next because I've got three guests planned for January and I haven't got any uh, dates booked in. Well, I have one booked in. I have uh, Bob Slayer uh, in the middle of January talking about uh, Heroes of the Fringe and his bookshop and I'm trying to essentially get every person who produces something at the Fringe on before Edinburgh. So he's the next one on my list. Uh, I've also got uh, Holly Dillon, who is a performer, writer, producer and clown, but she is also uh, a person who specialises in Edinburgh PR, so uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her about promotion of shows, uh, production of shows, and uh, the ways you can sort of contact people within the media industry to kind of get more exposure for the work that you've done or the show that you're putting on uh, at different fringe festivals. And finally... I've got um, Beth O'Brien on from Ditto Productions. She's the co-founder of Ditto and uh, not only a producer and a director, but also a manager. She manages people like Beck Hill and Jay Foreman, who, if you don't know, you should definitely Google because they're both amazing. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her. I kind of want to keep it a little bit varied and not just have promoters on here. So, yeah, let's see how those pan out. I think they'll be really fun. Thank you very much for the support, by the way. It's been really nice. And if you're enjoying this podcast, if you could share it with a friend, that would really help. Uh, Or if you feel particularly inclined, you can leave it a review. I've already got a couple on there, and that's really nice, and that's really helping out with the show. Also, I've been getting some feedback from people saying that it's really long. Um, To be honest with you, I'd rather have this as long as it needs to be in order to make sure that I get in all the information and get through every question that I feel is relevant. But uh, the negative comments about it being so long are that they're unable to just casually listen to it they have to sit down with notepads and sort of write down the bits they want to have I think that's a good thing to be honest with you it means there's something out there that's quality and interesting content but to kind of combat this slight percentage of negative negativity I have gone through and made a list of all the questions they are available uh, on the website uh, which at the moment is asktheindustrypodcast.tumblr.com and next to every question I've put the timestamp when that question was answered so if you want to dip in and out and just go to the section or the question that is relevant to you that should hopefully make your life a lot easier and uh yeah that's pretty much everything so uh thank you very much for all the support and thank you for listening i'll see you guys after christmas i hope you have a lovely time with your family and friends or whoever you have it with bye